Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Space to cover for Milro. Still looking. Firing. Near corner. It's caught. Touchdown, Alabama. Isaiah Bond. On a fourth and a mile. This is 365 Sports. Powered by Sikkim365.com. Power formation. Everybody lined up close to the football. Benson. First down, still running. Trey Benson all the way to the end zone. Hat trick touchdown for Benson. 365 Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High-quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important. So is your budget. Another blitz. Sixty-five Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, protecting Texans since 1952. Ray Davis. Here goes Ray. If you subscribe to our YouTube channel, search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life. Epps, motions. Retzlaff's throw. It's brought in by the tight end Rex. And then taken away by Oklahoma State. And that's the ball game. 365 Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. Single receiver to the left. Back with a low snap and handles it. Fires far side. Ball is caught. And K-State needs to make the stop. And they don't. They lose contain. And he's down the sideline. Jalen Knoll will score for Iowa State. They have the lead with 8.04 to go. Now, here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. And here we go on 365 Sports. Hope you've had a great so far day here on this Friday. Gorgeous weather around where we are in Central Texas and hopefully where you are too. Baylor football coach Dave Aranda will join us momentarily in studio here on 365 Sports with Paul Catalina, Garrett Ross, Craig Smoke. I'm David Smoke. We appreciate your time today. Now, a couple of notes to get to before Coach Aranda will join us here live and in the studio, uh, and it's a part of the championship weekend. Paul Catalina, Florida State, and the quarterback situation. Tate Rodemaker, a game-time decision, a concussion suffered in the game against uh, Florida last week. Uh, this is already Jar- Jordan Travis is out with that horrible injury, and so now as they play Louisville, 
and with style points and trying to go unbeaten to get to the college football playoff. Yes, it's going to be an uphill climb. It's probably going to be Brock Glenn. If, if I've been told uh, that if Tate Rodemaker passes the concussion protocol today, then he'll be uh, – Good to go, but or tomorrow, but I don't know if that's really going to happen, if that's reasonable or not. Uh, so it looks like Brock Lynn, and we're going to have a Cardale Jones type situation uh, for for Florida State uh, against Louisville on Saturday. So um, Brock Glenn, may you go with God. You hold all my hopes and dreams in your heart. Yeah, it's a uh, you know. Let's see. I guess what kind of bad news this could be uh, ultimately. Uh, let's see how you know. It actually turns out tomorrow uh, with whether or not he shows up or not. But, yeah, it's not a story that you really love to see uh, necessarily the day before the championship game. I guess not officially ruled out, but definitely a situation to monitor and uh, one that could have a huge impact. So, yeah, it's uh, not what you want to hear if you're a Florida State fan, but uh, not the end of the world just yet. Uh, We will see uh, tomorrow. All right. Uh, Also, yesterday, the story about Jake Spavital from Cal. He's been everywhere, West Virginia, He's been at Texas A&M, among other places, too. Baylor's new offensive coordinator. He will be introduced on Monday morning at the media press conference area, post-game press conference room at McLean Stadium. And, of course, a chance to visit with him in that situation and also in the moment as well. But we are now joined live by Baylor head football coach Dave Aranda with us in studio with Paul Craig, and I'm David Smoke. Thank you for your time. Uh, How important was it? to get that decision with Jake Spavital, offensive coordinator, for many reasons and do it as quickly as you did? Yeah, it was, it was um, there's a lot of decisions. There's a lot of decisions being made, and whether it's um, there's coaching staff that's going to be affected by the, by the hire, there's going to be players that are affected by the hire, and so to um, to put the work in and then to really identify the right guy, uh, the right coach uh, for us, and then to go through all of it and the, with the help of our administration at Baylor and the, the timeline that we did it just really was a godsend and helps us move forward as a team. So what about uh, Jake brought you? I know that you're going to have to spend more time on the offensive side of the ball. He's been a head coach or a defensive side of the ball. He's been a head coach, can kind of maybe help uh, – be in the meeting room a little bit longer to take up for that time. What are those things that, that drew you to Jake uh, as the coach? Well, I know that um, you know the, um, there's a, a history of him and just the places he's been and the players that he's coached, and there's an energy about him, and uh, there is a um, uh, there is a, kind of a, uh, a recipe for his success in terms of explosiveness and and running the ball and, and big plays and all of it. But really the, the thing that I saw first and really stuck out to my mind is that he went to Cal, and Cal was a pro-style offense that recruited for a pro-style offense and was averaging these many points and these many yards per game. And then in a year went from 23 points to 31 points and went over 400 yards with the recruiting classes that they had with tight ends and 12 personnel. And so it was like whatever it was, he was able to make it work. And I think that's, I mean, that is really in, in a lot of ways our situation. I think offensively we, we have similar numbers this year. And so to find, to find Jake and he did it there, for him to come on over and really work to do it here was way special. 
Coach, uh, you've, I guess there's reports out there A.J. Stewart will be moving on as well. And I guess when you have a new offensive coordinator, there's just going to be uh, various changes that are going to occur. So can you kind of take us through the process of just sort of where you guys are, I guess A.J. moving on, and kind of what that's going to look like with Jake now coming in here over these next few days and weeks? Yeah, I think anytime you bring in uh, a coordinator, it's always going to affect the staff. And I think when we first started the search, one of the things uh, was we need the guy that's the best guy for us that can help us score points and help us win games. But somewhere in that in that list of most important, it was how can we keep the majority of the guys that we got? And you just feel a loyalty to them, and they're working hard and all of it. And so I just felt that Jake was the best fit, and you know, with it comes movement of the staff. And so just so appreciative of AJ and just, you know, his family would be there after after practices and the players would hang out with his kids and so all of it is hard. Any, you know, this this time of year when you don't have success is the hardest part about the business. And so to go into it and be able to treat everyone right and try to be kind of that um um if it's a bunch of darkness to kind of be the light is really what the the uh, the role that we're playing now, and so I wish him the best, and and uh, very thankful for everything he did. When Spavital was the head coach at Texas State, we had him on a few times, and he went straight transfer portal. It didn't work; his record wasn't all that good. But he has recruited before. Is his main job is to bring in transfer portal to fit his offense, or do you have that personnel right now on campus? We feel good about the personnel that we have. I think we're right now, you know, uh, Jake is speaking with uh, Blake right now, right? right as a, so we had a team meeting. We introduced Jake, and then um, he's he's meeting with Blake Shapin right now, you know. And so we'll see what becomes of that. I think we've got guys that really fit what he can do. And I think, um, you know, our ability to to get everyone to see the vision and to see what it can be and – and to um, um, have a refresh with all of that, I think, is way important. But then, but then I do think, you know, the the days of the developing players, the days of, uh, you know, here's someone that's getting a bunch of reps and he's kind of learning through the the um, the the failures and kind of the hard knocks life of a freshman or sophomore. I think we just kind of illustrated that that's very hard to do and it's really almost outdated to do. And so to bring in people that can come in and have experience and play and to have a um, 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 experienced guys up front, to have experience on the on the perimeter is going to be important. So there, there will be portal people coming in. You know, he, he's already looked at the recruiting class that we have uh, that's been locked in for a little bit and – is way excited about those guys, and so we're looking forward to move move forward with them. But I think uh, there's a lot happening for him in these next couple of days. And so when we first met, I, we kind of went through it, and it's like, man, that sounds like a lot, and it is. And, it's, and he, he mentioned, you know, drinking water through a fire hose, and so it'll be like that for a couple of days. So – I know that it's not just an offensive philosophy change that you're making because you have to change the philosophy of how you guys have done NIL and how you guys have approached the transfer portal. How much of that, especially for you as a person who, as a coach, I, I don't know if I know anybody who has like 
is a more idealist than you. And I, I mean that as like a, a very, a great compliment because it's, it's very unique in, in, in a profession that can just kind of be go, go, go and, and move in chess pieces around the board without kind of regard for the, the surroundings. How hard was that for you to break off of what you, you kind of hoped those things would be and then jump into what they are while still fitting into what you're comfortable doing yourself? Yeah, I think that's life right there. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, another word for that could be maturity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think anytime you take the world as it is, mm-hmm. and then you on one side and you look at the, the, the world as it should be, and you find a way that those two, so- that those two things can connect, mm-hmm. and you can hold the tension of both and walk that path, I think that's totally it, you know. And so, yeah, that, that is what we're doing here. And, um, you know, I think well, I look at Jake just offensively, you know, um, heavy run game. And the run game was really what propelled a lot of their success the last half of the season. So there's counter in there. There's split zone in there. There's inside zone. There's wide zone in there. Um, and then the RPOs that come off of it. But the run game, you know, so we had not announced the hire yet and um, – it was already out, and so, uh, you know, I'm I'm going through, um, kind of checking on guys, just wait, making my rounds through, and it's about every office door was closed, and behind it were players watching Cal Berkeley film, you know, oh. and so they're all watching it, and so there's there's Sawyer, and he's watching uh, with Jake Roberts the Cal USC game, and I go a little bit further. And there's Jordan Neighbors, and he's watching Cal UCLA, and so it just kind of kept on. And so I just think they see the physicality. They see the excitement of big plays, right? There's a quick motion, and, you know, uh, Cal's got four, and they got three, and the ball's out. And, you know, here's a, here's a play-action pass. Here's an RPO throw, and they hit the bang, and he's in the, he's in the seam. And so they're excited about that. So I think that's, that is something where I think – you know, it's not a huge transition from um, maybe one style to like a, a 10 personnel, four wides thing. There's the ability he just showed to build in corporate tight ends and to use the people that we've got on campus and not just use them, but feature them. And really, you know, he had a, a freshman tight end that just had a bunch of yards and, you know, our tight ends are fired up and rightfully so. So that was before the announcement was even made. There's yes. rumors out there. Yes. They're already watching film. That's pretty cool. Yes, that would be another change. <laughs> that would be another <laughs> that would be another one. Everyone's got their phones and stuff leaks and it's just that's what it is. We've seen a lot of declarations, I mean, even just today, guys, hey, staying at BU, GXG Exchange, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's a new era. Uh, yes. You're obviously adopting and evolving with it as well as uh, has been quite talked about. What's that like though to kind of the uh, the reaffirmations of hey I'm going to be here and just the whole process of going through that and kind of knowing your roster and what you want what you you know kind of maybe want to change can you kind of just take us through that part of the the roster journey right now? Yeah, I think it's a good it, it is a good thing. Uh, I think that uh, because it's real, and I think it's life. You know, I think some of the things for us we're coming from um, person over player, and that's always going to be my perspective through it, but. You know, there's things to where, um, regardless of outcome, regardless of of play or lack of or any of that, you know, I'm sitting down with someone, asking about their family, talking to them about, you know, how they're doing with school, how they're handling, right, the 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 failure, how they're handling the misfortune, and here's how we can respond. I'm talking that way, and so it is. Um, 
you know, to me that's really important when you're when it, it is uh, GXG and it's NIL. Then there, I mean, we can say a bunch of things, but there's here's someone that's you're a seventy thousand dollar person, you're a twenty thousand dollar person, and you're a hundred thousand dollar person, and you'd like for that to be just within a small circle, but that that is. I think that would be idealist. And so now you're living with just the transactional nature of everything. And so and then, you know, then it becomes how that is life right there. And so how to handle that, how to see that, get out of your own lens, right? This is the this is the lens of your production, right? And so we can do things better here. I think in the past we've talked about to care and not to care and hey let's this can be this can be a thing where we can get stuff done and we can improve and then I think with that then this 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 other thing will go up and so I think those are all conversations that uh, at some point right you're going to have when you're in the real world and and all of it but you know we college football now we're having them now GXG, by the way, uh, we had a conversation with them. They're one of our new title sponsors with 365 Sports. We appreciate John, Jeremy, and others, Kaylee, uh, for that that conversation and also what they're doing with us. Uh, You and I, and you have said this before and other things as well, as far as the way things went, storm around your name, all of that. And no one knew. You didn't know until Sunday Mm -hmm. sometime late morning. Do you feel like this is kind of a – I don't want to say breath of fresh air because you have work to do. And the results, is it like a new lease on life or a second type chance for you here at Baylor? Well, it's been, I look at it as work. I look at it as, uh, and, and um, I can understand the question, uh, but it's, you know, um, yesterday was, was a good day, but it was also a tough day, hard conversations. The last couple days have been, been good days but tough conversations there's going to be a whole lot more tough conversations and I think you know to to embrace the truth and to kind of see it and first starts with me and then it goes to everyone else I mean that's just tough work to do you know and so I think that is really the the work that's ahead and then from there you know starting football so in the past we would really not start football until really kind of the a week prior to spring ball and we're going to start as soon as we get back on campus. So we'll be doing, having uh, meetings and walkthroughs and all of it starting in January, you know, as early as we can go. And so the the ability to, um, you know, we got to get the football right. We have to be able to do that. And then while we're embracing these other things, that whether it's NIL or it's it's more aggressive uh, uh, transfer portal thing and to, to be able to keep our culture and then still – you know, using that to get better play and better execution on the field. I think the ability to to do football in the beginning and, like, we have a play that, let's say, you know, I look at that last, that touchdown by West Virginia uh, at the end of the game. You know, that call, uh, that defensive call, we want to rep that here in another month, that call. And we want to rep it from January all the way through the year so that when we rep it in November, we got it because it's that's that's what we do and that's us and so that's going to be the challenge and I think like the um, the ability for everyone to kind of see that and that it, hey you know we've got a normal Tuesday and a normal Wednesday but when we come into football it's fourth and one right now like this matters we got to get this right you know it's January whatever and we're going to get it right my eyes are going to be in the right spot and this you know matters 
I think that's going to be the direction. Were you on the headsets on that play? Is that so, I, know, I know Matt Pallage is the defensive coordinator, but was that something where you were involved during that time, that last drive? I wasn't, yeah. So I'm listening to the calls. You know, I think any 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 time, you know, to me the the end result, the end is always it's predicated by how you start. And so if so I'm thinking about now and moving forward, right? The ability to have like cleats in the grass, hey, this is what our alignment is, this is where my eyes go, this is the how I'm seeing this formation. This is where my eye progression goes. This is, I'm working with, in conjunction with this other linebacker. If I feel that allows us to cut the play off so you can fold back, right? If we take a step and stack our D linemen, this allows, this allows uh, the D lineman now to, to get a single block because we're going to show f- color and the guard is going to come off and we're going to get a single by. Uh, the tackle on the four eye, and so like all of those things have to be like way home base, and it has to be such a um, you know within each each nuance is like a whole universe, dude. And so we have to build make that clear to all of them. I mean, they have to the, especially the linebackers. I'm excited about really being with them, but um, you know, there's talent there. There's the want to there. I think the, to be, get the detail down and to get the 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 right type of focus. And it's fourth and one, dude, right? We need this done on whatever, January the whatever, is really a missing piece and excited about going that that way. Earlier you mentioned the transactional nature of things that have come to college football that, that were there in maybe like some smaller senses of this guy – doesn't fit the roster anymore. It's time to maybe move on. And, you know, you have to have those conversations. But because there's now money involved yes. and big money involved uh, for, for young kids, how much do you have to retrain them to take the news like professional athletes would? Because that's like NFL players, it's different. You get cut or you get this discussion or this money's coming or that money's coming. Is They know that because they've – They've dealt with it, right? They knew going in. College is new to this. How hard is that for coaches in college to retrain themselves to have that relationship but also still be a college coach and not a pro coach? Yes. Yeah, great question. I think the, you know, I think all of us as coaches aren't really trained to do that. I mean, that's more, you're, that's more of a dad mm-hmm. than anything else with your son. Yeah. Or that's more of a mentor but I think, you know, what can happen very easily um, is you could have a veteran guy who's um, a good player and say he's battled through injuries. And let's say, you know, he's played some and made some plays and all of it. And he's looking at his life journey as, man, I've I've sacrificed all of this. I've come back from this. I've achieved a little bit here. I've bled on this. I've done all of these things. But then, um, you know, there's another side of it that looks, well, your production is very, very little. Mm -hmm. And what that means is the result is this. And I think that is like a lightning bolt to that person. And and I think, but that's the reality and that's the truth. And so to to deliver that in a way um, that it's not like doesn't create a bitterness or doesn't create a resentment or doesn't create an anger, but can um, build a perspective and, uh, hey, this is what it is, 
right? Now, how can we move in this space, right? Uh, so that 20 years from now, you look back and you go, man, I'm proud of how I handled all that. Let's do that. I think that's the, that's the, uh, the talk. And we're having a bunch of those talks. <laughs> <laughs> from, an, from an, I can imagine. Yeah. From, from an on-field standpoint, I, the young secondary, I mean, they mm-hmm. took their lumps, obviously, but that's an area where you're like freshman, freshman, sophomore, mm-hmm. like you could really, mm-hmm. if you can hold on to those guys, right, that's the part of it now is mm-hmm. it can be something special. There weren't a lot of highlights per se on the field, but when you look back at what you did see, what kind of building blocks, whether it's a position group or whether it's a particular player, what what have you, what did you see that encourages you about this team and, and heading into next year from that standpoint? Yeah, there is talent there. I thought our corner class in particular can really, really be good. I think, you know, uh, LeVar played some. He played his four games, and then – uh, he didn't play in the last game so that we can preserve all of it. Uh, way talented. I mean, you know, he might have been the MVP of just the um, the practices, you know, going against the one offense and just all of it. He would continually make plays and challenge guys and, and uh, just make ama- amazing plays, really. And so uh, then you got Caden Jenkins that was able to really excel and excelled from the moment that he got here. And then Carl Williams and his ability to make plays. So they, there are playmakers there. There is the ability to say, hey, we're going to line up and we're going to take this away just by our press and our leverage and everything else. And we haven't been able to do that. And I think we've got the guys that can do that. And so to be able to train them in such a way uh, that, um, you know, that's the expectation and that's the standard is way cool. I'm way looking forward to that. You know, some of the defenses I've been a part of, that has been a necessary piece, you know, um, is press coverage and man-to-man and all of it. And I think uh, we've got guys that have shown um, pieces there. I think what, you know, the difference is the eye progression. The difference is is the um, is the fourth and one. I really think that's what it is, is that this matters right now. And I'm going to win this. I'm not okay with taking a loss right here. I'm not okay with this guy catching the ball. I'm not okay with the offense winning this series. I'm going to win this. I'm going to do it, and I can do it. You know. And so I think all of that is really what we're doing when we're doing football starting as soon as we are. Dave, last question for you. Uh, everybody has an ego, but you seem to not really have that, not outwardly, although everyone has confidence in themselves. How much has this checked your uh, or humbled you with, with what, as you know about football, yet the results were not there this this year. Yeah, I think um, you know. I was, I just was, just prior to coming here, was talking to um, Coach Leopold at Kansas, and and he is a great friend and is a great coach. And when we first started to talk, you, know, you could just step in, Dave, how's it going? You know, it's like it's, <laughs> it's like a, I survived like a bear attack. You know, it's like Dave, how's in? I just um, I don't know. I the you know i want to say the right words here like i like i know who i am you know i know whose i am and um i'm like way confident in all of that and i know that you know at the end of this i know that in terms of like people and in terms of uh uh you know staff and players administration all of it that I wouldn't take anything back in terms of treating people and all of it. And that is the most important thing to me. And so I'm way 
confident about that. You know, I think the the football is just way disappointing, and that's where the 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 frustration really occurs. And so I know when this came up in um, defense and stuff, I think you know um, there's an opportunity to look at well, you know, is it do we do this? Do we that? I just think so much of Matt and just what he can be. And, you know, we're at the end of the game or we're at the end of the season and and giving up too many points, giving up too many big plays, just just not it, right? But I'm seeing players play for him. I'm seeing, you know, here's another big play, right? And we come back to the sideline and Matt's clapping and doing all the stuff and we get to the sideline and I'm seeing players look him in the eye and Matt's got them believing again, which I had not – I have not been a part of that where it had been, you know, it was this rough of a thing. And then you go back on the field and they're trying. And so the connection there is just so strong, you know. And so I know that Matt can really be great, but we have to be great this year. And so I know that for me, um, that was where I had to step in. And so I'm excited about that. And, um, you know, Matt has been great with it. And so it'll be him and I working together. But, um, yeah, I think the football has to get right. And, you know, for it to be, um, you know, uh, this record and this defense and everything else, that's the part that just makes you ill. And it's hard to walk around with it, but it will be great motivation for the future. Thank you for your time. Appreciate it. I know you got a lot of decisions and much more to do. We appreciate you coming to the studio. Madeline, also appreciate you and, and Brent for bringing Coach Aranda to the studio. Thanks for your time. Good luck. No, thank you, guys. Baylor football coach Dave Aranda will come back and discuss and get your feedback, too. This is 365 Sports. Ring in the new year with unbeatable savings on the new 2023 Ram Trucks during a wrap-up-the-year sales event at Allen Samuels in Waco. Take advantage of this limited-time opportunity and start the new year in style. Shop our great selection in-store or online today. Some say a dog is a man. Next in line. Boozers is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozers is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas. They have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie Kay. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold, plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or drawing and let Boozers create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring. They can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new. At Boozers, you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces, and Boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs, too. They specialize in expert Rolex watch repair for fine jewelry, watches, custom work, and more. Go to Boozers on Valley Mills and Lake Air Drive in Waco.
Riverbend Liquor and Wine now has two locations to serve you. The original on Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street and the brand new spot in downtown Waco at 600 Franklin Avenue. If you're looking for the best in craft beers or local Texas bourbons, then the original is the place to be. And for the latest trends and online phenomenons, head downtown to the Franklin location. Either way, you're going to get the same great variety, customer service, and speedy experience. Check out both locations on their Facebook and Instagram pages. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street, and now downtown on Franklin Avenue. Stepping into a new pair of boots is great, but stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can also add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. There are more than 150 occupational specialties to help them find the best fit for their future. See all the things your son or daughter can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. Let Kingo Johnson Realtors guide you seamlessly through the process of buying your dream home or selling your current one. Commercial, farm and ranch, or residential, Camille Johnson Realtors can smoothly and successfully lead you through any transaction. With a team of 28 experienced agents who are excited about serving you, Camille Johnson Realtors services the entire greater Waco area. Market to buy or sell, contact Camille Johnson Realtors, 104 Midway Center in Woodway, or find them online at www.camillejohnson.com. Camille Johnson Realtors, elegant, charming, warm. Welcome home. This is 365 Sports. The 3 o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats, and a cut above the rest. 425 Lake Air Drive, Waco. By the way, one quick note that is uh, a college high school note. Chad President, who played his high school ball here in Central Texas at Temple, went to Tulsa. He's been the coach, offensive coordinator at Midway. He's going back to his alma mater, Temple High School, to be on the staff with Scott Stewart as the Wildcats offensive coordinator. Great guy, very damn good coach, by the way. So let's discuss what we heard from Dave Aranda. Uh, obviously, not everybody's going to want to hear everything they heard or didn't like I, I thought that at least in my opinion, one, how about the fact that we now know that Spavitol right now talking to Blake Shapin about his future, however that works out, but also it seemed like maybe some of that curtain around him has peeled off just a little bit, and that's also good to see whether people like the answers to the questions and or not. I The, the thing I think that was, and it was, like that was the thing, it is, he mentioned it. Usually when you're three and nine, you have a culture problem. They don't have that. Uh, that's weird because, you know, three and nine, you've got people quitting believing in the coaches and they're kind of, especially now that you can easily move on, you know, they might have, at, at not at three and nine, but at three and four might have been like, well, the hell with this, right? And then they've checked out, but that's not how, at least how he sees it. And he's got people playing for a coach that was not ultimately successful on that side of the ball. And he believes in that guy's potential in Matt Pallage. So the focus has to be about the football because it is, it is very strange where those two things don't intersect, where you have a football problem and a culture problem, but like he said, it's about the football. It's about getting better and changing up what they do and him throwing in that expertise. Also, him not you know jumping in and saying, let's not do this on that last play was, was kind of a, a big deal. It's showing you how he was running things and how he's got to change it. 
Uh, yeah, where do you want to start? I mean, there's a lot yeah. of different well, things we can cover here. I want to start with that here. one because... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that that I've always felt like when writing the articles throughout the year, which got progressively harder just because you sort of feel like it's Groundhog Day, and it's like, here's another way that they lost, and here's how miserable it continues to get, and here's, you know, it was it was tough, but the one thing that I could never put pen to paper, fingers to keys, and, and type out and be and would have been truthful would be say like oh they look like they've totally quit that was never the case i never felt that way i mean there might have been moments late in games where a play's not made and you you know you think that maybe that was that but i i never got the impression that those guys didn't like playing for dave aranda or didn't like you know being out there or weren't wanting to be out there in any way shape or form and that's what was i think so perplexing about all of it right is it you're like, well, then what is it? Is so, is it just purely the talent thing? Is it, is it the X's and O's, the, the coaching that they're getting? Um, what is it? It's, but it's not the buy-in, in my opinion. It was never the buy-in. It was never the, the, you know, the passion part of it. It was just, yeah, I guess when you look back at it, more of young players or veteran players or just players in general not making plays, not doing their jobs, coaches not doing – their jobs to the the best of their ability, not calling the right plays in certain cases, putting guys in bad spots. I mean, I think it it does come down to the execution piece, and that got really tiring, I know. Trust me, because I had to write about it every single week. It got tiring to hear that. But, guys, that really was their biggest issue was the execution. Mm -hmm. Like, to to me, more than anything else, you can put talent at 1B if you want to. I know people have varying opinions on the talent or the coaches or whatever. But to me, it was like just not making plays, just not – making plays when they were there to be made. And and if you can correct that by just, you know, coaching it up a little bit better, I think you do see a dramatic improvement. Now, does that turn into like eight wins? No, not necessarily. But I, I do believe fully that that team believes in Dave Aranda and they want to play for Dave Aranda and they want to be successful for Dave Aranda. It just doesn't always look like that, especially – Hard to look like that when you're losing constantly, as they always were. But, yeah, well, I, I, I believe that. I, I Phil Bennett mentioned this on that last drive that West Virginia went right down the field, that he didn't know if, if Aranda was on the headsets, he was. He was listening, but he didn't get involved in that. And I think that's probably something that he knows that just can't happen. And now he's going to be the one making the calls along with Pallet and others. So that right there can maybe tighten up a few of the loose ends. Yeah, I as far that, as that part of it goes, I mean, yeah, that's, that's something that that's – you know, got to be changed. He's got to be the guy that's on the mic and in the final moments and no matter what. I don't care if it's offense that's out there. He's got to be there chiming in. And so that's a lesson learned on his part and uh, something that, yeah, you hear and you're like, oh, man, really? Like, that was was a mistake, but it is what it is now. I mean, it's not changing anything. And, you know, he learned from it, and I think that it's pretty obvious that the Coach Aranda is all ears to trying to make improvements, and that'll be one of them. Yeah, he needs to. uh, Like, I've seen a lot of older, like, I mean, he's a young coach, but the coaches who are being the CEO, when you can tell they're not on on the mic, they're not on the mic, they're not on the mic, and then all of a sudden, like, that mic comes down and like, okay, guys, Mm -hmm. no, 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 no. I I, I saw with Jimbo Fisher uh, a couple times where, uh, uh, especially on defense the last couple seasons, where you saw him, like, no, 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 I'm taking over this. And now that's probably a bad example. Um, I can use old Bobby Bowden examples. I mean, he didn't have – he had to wear that hat, like, at the end because of skin cancer, so he never yeah. had a headset on. He always just had somebody handing Chichi it to him. Rodriguez golf sombrero <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so he would – but you could see at the end of the game sometimes he would be like, we're not doing that. <laughs> and then he would just mm-hmm. get in the headset and go, no. <laughs> yeah. This is the play we're running. 
<laughs> so those are the things that he'll probably have to do. Now, this next year, he's probably going to call the lion's share of the defense. Yeah. Like, that's going to be him. But it, it seems like he's trying to get Matt Pallage ready to do that job in the future if this all works out. And that's obviously the big if. They do, like, the talent acquisition part of this is going to be the – the heart, all of this, like getting the football right and having guys knowing the scheme, that's great. But if they're not as fast as the guy over there. Or bigger, stronger, faster, does, whatever. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, here's, yeah, they're going to jump right into it, which was kind of a surprise to me. I know they go into conditioning, strength, conditioning, weights, et cetera. And, and you know, when they get inside that indoor and they push a bunch of, of weights and you just got get them down to the fact that they're about to break and you, you do all that. But it's going to be much more, it appears, X's and O's in football from aesthetic. I hope I said that right. Man, he pulled me, Aranda, right back in, damn it. Really hoping that they pull this blank off next year. Yeah, I, I man, I like Dave Aranda a lot and uh, always have and, and always will, regardless of what ends up happening next year. But I, I'm, I'm considering myself one of those who hopes it works out because I think he's a great fit for Baylor. I think the run a couple of years ago was a lot of fun. I can show you what this can be at its peak. Um, but obviously, it's been a couple of years since then. And, and so, you know, this is a business at the end of the day. So uh, I liked what I heard as well. You know, there's a lot of work to be done, though, as he also pointed out. You got to go jump in that portal. You got to go finish off this recruiting class. And you got a lot of work in the teaching side of things uh, to do as well. But, you know, I'm, I'm glad that not everybody, in, you know, is uh, – is just tuning it out and, and just not even giving it a, a chance to, to try and, and change. So, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how this offseason goes. And, you know, the thing about Shapin, let's get into that. I mean, that's a very interesting note that Shapin reportedly jumps into the portal or intends to jump in the portal, and now they've got uh, Jake Spavital officially hired here in Waco and uh, meeting with him to, to go over that decision. Uh, he mentioned Sawyer Robertson was one of those that was in the film room. You've got Sawyer, but is Sawyer ready to go full board just yet? Or do you have a fun competition with a new offense coming up this spring between those two? I think you'd rather have Blake Shapin than not have him at this point because if you don't have him, that means another guy you have to go get in the portal, and you're throwing Sawyer Robertson basically to the wolves unless you go get a veteran. You go get a veteran, well, then that also factors into the whole story. So if you could somehow bring Shapin back into the fold, um, I, I do think that that would be a beneficial move, but uh, we'll see. At least he's open to it, so that's good news. Well, and uh, again, the way you can hear, you can already see that, like the mantra or the mission statement is fourth and one, dude. Uh, in other words, every play, every day, everything. Now, again, that doesn't mean they fixed their problems. That doesn't mean that they're going to be talented enough or big enough or strong enough, as we mentioned. Uh, also, um, one of the things that with the shape in entering the portal, normally when you do, you're gone. Now, there are some that can be lured back to where they are. He did not know that Spavital was going to be the offensive coordinator. It may not make a difference. That's up to Jake Spavital to convince him that it would be an offense friendly to him. But the fact, as you said, uh, Robertson's in the in the film room watching what Cal was doing. Cal had a hell of a running back this year. Ott, one of the best running backs in the country. They had good numbers this year. Now, was it all Spavital? No. But, um, you know... Uh, I, the reaction from Cal fans to me was interesting yesterday. I had a dental appointment, so I wasn't here yesterday. But the reaction was, damn it. We finally got a guy that we kind of liked. They've done the, 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 uh, the uh, what, analytics was better. Man, and then all of a sudden, he's leaving. Not even after just one year, he's gone. Uh, although I do, Mike Blesh might be somebody up for that job, former North Texas a coach and former Temple High School player, too, or coach, too. 
Yeah, um, I, I think that, you know, bringing in Jake Spell, I'm, I was interested to hear him say about, you know, that his offense can fit the players that they have on the roster. Because, um, you know, you can do a big roster. Like, the best way the portal works is if you, like, add, you know, if you keep it to, like, a, a reasonable number. Because if you have to, like, there's a, a tipping point of, like, oh, if you've got 40 portal guys, it's probably not, gonna gel right away i think of oklahoma a year ago right where they had good players but gelling was a problem so you want to have your core in place that knows things you don't have to overturn the roster completely or you could go like full dion and have 80 guys and that's a four and eight team that's probably going to be a four and eight team you'll get some better guys than the ones on the 111 team but you're still a four and eight team at the end of it because it's hard to gel in a year and find all the things that you need to do in a year so um I think that's interesting that he he feels that they won't have to shake up the roster too much by bringing in Jake Spavital. Yeah, I mean, there's I think there's the personnel fits better, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I you know wonder if we could have gotten into more specifics, but that can I guess roll around the next time we talk to him or in spring ball. But you know, how does this affect a Richard Reese, or how does this affect a Monterey Baldwin, or how does this affect some of the guys that that we know have some skills? But yeah, I, I think that. Uh, this might actually play more into the hand of some of the players that they have. You know, when you're running uh, that RVO, I mean, you got to have like a bulldozer of an offensive line. You got to have some dudes up front. You got to have guys like ready to to rumble, and they did not have that this past year. Some grown ass men, and, yeah, and they yeah. they didn't have that, and so you got to have like a specific type. I think with with this offense, you're kind of more in the mode of of kind of what you're looking for already, and it's not so much of a of a task to maybe fill in some holes as it would be, you know, had Jeff Grimes run it back and you're having to probably go out and get like four. I mean, you might still have to go get four alignment. Don't get me wrong, but like you're having to try to run the football uh, to no avail last year over and over again. I just think trying to return to where you were with Abram Smith and a veteran offensive line is a lot harder than, you know, spread ball and, uh, modif- you know, his take on the air raid and, and the types of players that you can find all over Texas high school football that are running versions of, of those types of offenses. So, yeah, I I, I think that, um, you know, obviously there's some excitement. you got guys already in the film room, and, you know, we'll see what becomes of it. I just saw another player, Trey Emery, big defensive lineman, announced that he's going to be back for another year. So, all right, Trey Emery's a yeah. great story. Thank you, Craig. He's a big building block alpha body 300 plus guy that has been hurt a lot his first couple of years out of Mount Pleasant missed a lot of time that's Batch is coming back right the uh, Betts uh, the young man yeah. from Colleen he's coming back so they have at least starting to keep part of that build that they were not strong enough or healthy enough across the defensive front so yeah. and, and that's part of GXG. I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. I'll, no, I was, I was talking about the O line. So like I mean, but yeah, the that's great that Trey Emery's coming back as well. So um, yeah, I don't have much more to add on it other than I think for the offense it'll be a smoother transition than had you tried to recreate what Jeff Grimes was attempting to do. I just don't think you have the bodies nor the ability in the portal to go and find all those pieces that you would need to maneuver it in that direction. Uh, this should be. Uh, a bit easier, in my opinion. And then for Trey Emery, it's a totally different subject. But on the defensive line, yeah, I mean, he was one of their better recruits here in the last couple of years. That's another area where they were not very good. They were laced with veterans. But, 
it was very mixed results there. So, um, you know, you don't really love seeing, like, the entire team have to declare whether they're coming back one by one or not. But that's, I guess, just part of the era that we're in and part of the era of Baylor football specifically that we're in right now. But, you know, when it's a Trey Emery saying he's coming back, that's good news that you, that you love to see. So that's a another piece that you can count on, uh, it looks like, for next year. I do like the, the question, Paul, I, 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 how you treat players and how they now need to be expected to be treated uh, because of NIL, because it's more of the NFL-type free agency model, and, and maybe the, uh, the, the, the the in your feelings and all of that, you you know, you're it, 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 it's a. I do think it's a it's a. I mean, it was a fair question to ask. It was a, it, and he he said it was a good question, so I, I like that he thought that. But uh, it is different because there. There are, but there, and there's plus and minuses to that because you can always have gone to the the point of like, here's how it's going to be, and this is going to be completely transactional. I think there'll be plenty of coaches that are like that, um, but I do think you're still dealing with kids who haven't done that in their life. You know, like there's a good chance that the kids you're bringing in have never had a part time job yet, right? Because especially the way that sports works, like if you play more than one sport, tell me when you're going to have time in high school to, to go get a, a part-time job at the grocery store. You know, like if you're at that big-time level. So some of these guys haven't had that, and all of a sudden you get to some place and somebody's giving you $50,000 a year to have a job where you've never even had a minimum wage job before. And then if you don't perform, then those coaches have to sit down and tell you, and you've never even had to, like, been told – you know, hey, you're not doing good wrangling the carts. This is how we do that. It's a different relationship that these coaches have to have now. And I think that's where Dave Aranda's ideals kind of maybe slowed him up those first couple of years of this is how I want us to be in the portal. This is how I want NIL to be. And then when he had those those two pillars of that, and then everybody else was like, yeah, we don't care about that. We're going to do it this way. And then you're behind because you couldn't find the intersection of how everybody else is doing it and your ideals. By the way, we will hear and we will get into the Big 12 championship game with both Rod Babers and Sam Mays in the 5 o'clock hour. We will hear from uh, Josh Neighbors in the Big 12 championship game and all the other conference championship games, too. We'll do all that uh, in the uh, 4 and 5 o'clock hour. Ricky Thompson, former Baylor receiver, will join us. His thoughts about Jake Spavital. What have we not discussed? Well, someone said, I don't think that their strength and conditioning or this is a big enough, strong enough team against a Power 5 schedule. I, I think that the offensive line, you wondered. Oh, that doesn't mean they didn't go through hell during the offseason, but at times you wondered if they could move much of anybody because they didn't do it very often. So, yeah, to that point, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the plans are there, and they certainly were out-muscled at times, out-physical at times. I mean, to what extent was that young players getting bullied by older players uh, just in various matchups that you'd have week to week. Uh, I'm, you know, some of that was that, and then some of it, yeah, maybe there's uh, there's some looking around to do. All, all I know of this is with, when it comes to strength and conditioning is that's always brought up when you're losing. It's never brought up when you're winning, mm-hmm. you know, or yes, hardly exactly ever at right. all. And yeah. it's not always the reason why you're losing games. But, I mean, it's valid to question that. I didn't think that they were the most impressive you know, looking team in the world. They weren't exactly stacked with guys that you were worried about 
when they got off the bus that, you know, there was not a lot of intimidation uh, when you looked across that roster. So from that standpoint, yeah, I think that that's an area you look into. But I also feel like Dave Aranda's got a pretty good relationship with Vic Valoria that goes back. And so, I don't know, I'd be kind of surprised to see a change there. But a change up in the way they do things, I think that's that's open for discussion like anything else, certainly. Well, one thing, remember, Phil Bennett has been critical of some of what Baylor and the coaching staff did uh, in the last few games and sometimes during the season, the one thing we know, he always praised Vic Valoria because he's had, resp- he's had a, a history with him and a relationship, a partnership, so to speak, with him. Uh, one of the things, Xavier Wolf on the chat room, Baylor's late to the party with NIL. The way the NIL is set up, first of all, I agree, it can punch holes in your roster, but the way NIL is set up, you can get those holes filled. Doesn't mean with the right people, but you can you can make up for lost ground pretty quickly if you jump in the uh, way they are with uh, GXG. I, I will say this: uh, NIL is not going to. It's not the medicine that's going to cure it all. Doing it differently will help them, but just by giving people more money is not going to cure everything no. that ails. They also have to decide to pay the people the. The people that are going to pay, they got to get better people. Like right. that was, but that's part of it. They had. I know he he says he feels good about the roster, but they have they have a talent issue, a dearth of talent on that roster right now that they have to get improved. So yes, the NIL might help them get that better, but it's not going to cure. It's not the salve that's going to heal the heal the no, whole burn. You can't buy a championship, but you can surely heal part of what you don't have on the roster if you can get maybe a higher level talented player in because of what you now offer when it comes to GXG and NIL. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not putting together a checklist right now by any means, but all the guys who I've seen declaring that they're coming back are all young players. Mm-hmm. So that's where NIL comes into play, mm-hmm. I think, more than anything, is you're going to secure your base and your young guys and have them continue to develop and continue to grow up in your system. And when the time comes in a year or two, be those veterans that are, you know, war – uh, weathered and you know, you know, scarred and and know the ins and outs of the game and how it all works. And right now they're still in the process of sort of learning that and taking their lumps. But then the holes that you fill in are, you know, the junior senior out of the portal that uh, that has already been there, done that at another place. And so yeah, it doesn't guarantee anything, but it does guarantee at least based on what we've seen so far that you're keeping most of your young core intact. Whereas the thought was they're just all going to scatter like you know, cockroaches when you flip on the light. And so if they can keep that, that core together and let them develop over the next year or two and then fill in at the right spots, I mean, that's, the I think, the recipe that you're looking for there. And, and yeah, not just fill in from the portal, but have a couple guys that actually are difference makers for you, uh, I think, is what you're looking for. So, yeah, doesn't cure everything, but it sure as heck beats the alternative method that they were using, huh? I mean, obviously what they were doing wasn't working, so you got to try something else. And um, this looks like that's what they're doing. And, and so far... They've got a lot of guys recommitting, if you will, which is still strange, but um, that's where I think their kind of heads are right now. One other note about, the, and somebody put up, the, one of the other issues has been that uh, the personnel, but the, uh, uh, the development of who you get on campus, which obviously Baylor, for the longest time, they would get the three stars, they would get the diamonds in the rough uh, through previous coaching regimes. The 2020 class during the transition from Matt Rule to Dave Aranda, and that class of what they've been able to accomplish and or what they've been able to produce has been, I'm not a whole, that wouldn't be fair to those young men, but there was, uh, and that's on both, 
uh, uh, the class that was there and the class that Dave Aranda brought in during the transition year of COVID, that class has really struggled. And that now is your class uh, you would hope, huh? Everybody's COVID classes, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, that's yeah. the yeah. class you wished was right now your juniors or seniors, right. and that also is something that just look at the numbers, look at the names, look at the players that were a part of that class. With all due respect, good young men that were trying to do everything they possibly could. Will they go after a dual-threat quarterback from Terry Smith with Jake Spavital? on board i think uh, let's see what blake shapen decides to do because if blake shapen comes back then i don't really see the need to go pursue a quarterback you'd have him returning with all of his experience and on his final year i believe it, it would be his final year finally right i think so i don't up. Even, i don't okay, know anymore let's, yeah, I, let's, I, I honestly mean, i just think okay come right on. i mean whatever he'd be back he'd be a veteran sawyer robertson's played a little bit now so you know he'd be creeping into the you know having been around for a couple of years and would be your veteran you know, still inexperienced, but veteran backup. And then you've got R.J. Martinez, who you brought in last year from Northern Arizona, who I don't even know if he's on scholarship right now or not, but he'd seem to be your third guy there. And so, and then you've got your freshman that would be coming in. So, yeah, I don't, I don't see the need for a, you know, dual threat incoming quarterback, unless there was just like some star that Spavital has a relationship with where yeah. you're like, yeah, we got to get that guy. Then you would do it. But I, I, I don't, see where that's in the cards at the moment. So, no, I don't think that that would be the case. All right. Uh, we have the 4 o'clock hour coming up. I'm going to be leaving a little bit earlier today to head out of town. Uh, retired stockbroker wanted me to shine. This is Stonewood Dental. What Dr. Steve Childress did for me yesterday, I cannot explain to you because my bridge had fallen out or gotten loose, put back in and got loose, and I was petrified any moment that I could, like, boom, right there in front of you all have the teeth hit the front of this set. But thank you to Dr. Steve Childress who checked in with me right before the show. Thank God for him. Josh Neighbors, 365 Sports is next. The right call can make all the difference on and off the field. I'm Mark Stewart with Bird Colgen Ford. When it's time for a new car, truck, or SUV, Bird Colgen Ford is the right call. Come check out our award-winning lineup of best-selling models in their class, like the Mustang, Explore, Expedition, F-150, and Super Duty. Make the right call for your next vehicle at Bird Colgen Ford. Bird Colgen Ford proudly supports Baylor Athletics. Sikkim Bears. At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be part of the Waco community. We're a small family business here in Central Texas. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. And that's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through this difficult time. So if you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. You can schedule online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or call 833-IDEAL-MRI. John's Humidor, your home with a 48-foot walk-in humidor with the elite cigar brands from around the world, including the number one cigar of the year, Aging Room, Quattro Nicaragua. Plus, they have the great brands like Macanudo and Artur Fuente, Rocky Patel, Aston, and so much more. CBD, great for sore muscles, aches and pains, sleep, Vita Dreams and anxiety, mild depression, general health and wellness. Their staff, very knowledgeable on the subject. If anyone is curious about CBD, ask Carol and Ashley. John Schumanor in the Townwood Shopping Center off Valley Mills in Waco. 
Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco is your holiday item superstore. Half spiral hams, 8 to 10 pounds for $4.45 a pound. Pit hams, 12 pounds for $4.45 a pound. Bone-in hams, 18 to 22 pounds for $3.40 per pound. Whole raw turkeys from 12 to 16 pounds for $2.50 a pound. Whole smoked turkeys, that's smoked turkeys at 9 to 12 pounds for $3.75 a pound. And many pit hams, Six to eight pounds for $5.99 a pound. And don't forget, they have full service butcher shop where you can find what you want, pork, poultry, seafood, and beef. And I bring up the beef because big beef tenderloin or a prime rib. Brian Bauer and the Bauer family, full service bakery with fresh baked kolaches every morning and bread and cold beer and wine, tailgate needs from pellet fuel to charcoal. Waco Custom Marketplace and the holiday items, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Enjoying the show? Hit the like button and subscribe. Thanks again to our newest sponsor of 365 Sports, GXG, the NIL Collective. And we appreciate their support of what we do now on this show. We're now joined by Josh Neighbor. 365 Sports has his own of course, podcasts, college football, the Big 12. Josh, we just had Coach Aranda on, but let's focus in on the conference and the championship game. Your thoughts about the matchup between Texas, Oklahoma State tomorrow morning in Arlington. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yes, and a great great interview with Aranda. That was awesome. Uh, yeah, so I think for tomorrow, the, you know, tough sledding is kind of the term, I guess, I, I would think of. For Oklahoma State, if you think about what Oklahoma State does well, that's run the ball. Texas, what do they do great? They stop the run. And so that is where the challenge will be tomorrow for Oklahoma State, right? Not many people have run the ball very well against uh, Texas this year. Dylan Gabriel's the one, but it was, you know, a lot of scrambling, a lot of him making plays. So I'm not really sure Oklahoma State can line it up and run it right at Texas. Uh, Texas does struggle with the secondary, obviously. It's not a, a position they've been fantastic with. And Ryan Watts has been banged up. I know he, it sounds like he's going to play. So they, that's, that's an area where I think they could take advantage. They've got the receiving core. It's got enough talent. But it just feels like to me uh, that Oklahoma State's defense, too, is a problem. It's not a very good defense when it comes to stopping the pass. And Texas, uh, Steve Sarkeesian, is very good at, at distributing the football I guess the one that gives me pause, though, is that after the really terrible start this year for Oklahoma State, Mike Gundy has proven once again why he's the best coach in this league. And the performance this year by Oklahoma State, you know, what I, what I think is, I mean, I'm not really sure like where I put them talent-wise, uh, top to bottom with their roster. I don't think it's as deficient of talent as we thought maybe at the start of the year. But where they are talent-wise in the Big 12 and where they've ended up, is very impressive, but I think it's hard not to lean Longhorns tomorrow. Although I do think if you're giving Mike Gundy in a championship game, uh, you know, 
a little bit over two touchdowns, I'm probably going to take that just because as an underdog, his record is, is really good. What has to happen for them to uh, to jump out and make this a game where they can trade scores with Texas and not have to play from behind again? Yeah, so that, that's the that's obviously their big question is, you know, I mean, do, do you want to be in a game where you're trading scores? Because if it's a trading scores type situation, Texas is going to beat you. What they need to do is they need to be there early, obviously, and to keep themselves within striking distance. And in a in a kind of, you know, line them up and see how it goes type fight, Texas will win. But the one thing Texas has been doing has caught them in recent games, you could say in recent years, but we've mentioned that Kansas State game, one that they were the much better team in, but two crippling turnovers on their side of the field set them back. Oklahoma State's going to need to force those and or, or end up on the right side of those and also cash in. Uh, those can't be three. They've got to be six. And it's got to be six like basically every time that it happens, I think, for them to win the game outright. So Texas does make some mistakes, right? But uh, you need to make sure that you – turn whatever mistakes they make into points in a pretty significant way. And then the other big key here is this. You need to make sure that, that, that their red zone offense looks like their red zone offense for most of the year. The one area where Texas really struggles is the red zone on offense. And uh, they hit a lot of explosive plays. They're very good with that. But if that's not the case, they get a whole lot of threes. So you need to make sure when they turn it over, you're getting six. When they get in the red zone, make sure they're getting three. And I think you've got a fighting chance to win the game. Josh, uh, elsewhere around the Big 12, uh, Dave Aran is obviously staying on. So that leaves Dana Holgerson as the only big head coaching change. Obviously, Kansas with a big OC change as of yesterday as well that will that will be interesting to watch. But what were your thoughts on, on Houston deciding to pivot? And also, looks like it's coming down to Willie Fritz as being the favorite, if not Jeff Trailer, And I know there's other names, but uh, sure seems to be a lot of smoke surrounding Willie Fritz. What do you think about that potential fit for the Cougs? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense that they would wait this long. Obviously, Tulane's got the AAC championship game tomorrow, so it does make some sense that they'd wait. But we've been talking about Willie Fritz for jobs for a while now. Uh, that's been obviously his talking point. And he's 63 years old. So this is probably the last stop for a guy like a, a Willie Fritz. And it's interesting that they're going to go with a guy, Willie Fritz, that is coached this part of the country, he has, been, he has been in Texas before, but, you know, he's kind of been uh, in the area, I guess, because kind of the southwest, uh, you know, like the, the Texas footprint-ish Midwest. So he's kind of got the Big 12 area covered. I'm really surprised, though. Maybe it's that buyout in the end that scared them with Jeff Trailer. I know there's some talk about that, but you're buying Dana out for whatever that, that amount was. I have to figure that you're willing to put the money, you know, in the, in the get another coach and to me, I just I don't know why you wouldn't go the trailer direction. Like you've got Houston, which is attractive for the same reasons to me that a UCF is attractive. It is in a talent-rich state, obviously, um, and you are in a spot where a lot of guys from your area will go elsewhere, right? So uh, if those things don't work out, maybe they want to come back to the Missouri City area, the Houston area, whatever, and come back and be home also large media market, all of those things. They have those advantages. Uh, I think the commuter school part of it hurts them a little bit. But once again, guys, Jeff Trailer was a coach where? U UTSA. And uh, last time I checked, San Antonio is a large city. So I feel like that's kind of a more natural fit with that. But Willie Fritz coaches, 
you know, Tulane, which is in New Orleans, right? So there, there is that too. But yeah, it's it just kind of, um, I guess the age thing scares me because I feel like the one thing you just went from was an, Dana's not super old, but like, look at him. It's, it's not like when he walks in the door, you're like, just look at this spring chicken. No offense to Dana. He's a little haggard. But, uh, I, yeah, a little, yeah. Yeah, knackered, but yes, exactly. So maybe you want, and Jeff Jones not young either, so, but like Willie Fritz is 63. He's a good coach. I just, not positive. Not positive at the fit, but they are familiar with him because he was in the conference. They see when they were together. I, uh, I'm, I, I think Dana Holgerson looks pretty good. I mean, well, being well. at all the pressures of <laughs> even though the millions of dollars, <laughs> but he, yeah, the Red Bulls. He, who was the other one that drank a bunch of Red Bulls besides Holgerson? We know Matt Rule drank monsters. Who was the other coach that just fed Red Bulls? Was it Chad Morris? Can't remember that, who. That would not shock me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Josh, what do you think about Baylor's hiring of Jake Spavital as the offensive coordinator? Yeah, so I think that's the right kind of hire. You know, a guy who's 38 had um, you all, you all with the interview, you know, mentioning like the fact that, you know, hey, he can be in some of the meetings because you know, he's been a head coach before, uh, maybe helping out with the portal side of things. Uh, I also think schematically, you know, Dave brought up a pretty good point where their personnel, they had a cow, not, might not necessarily match the offense, but it's still work and you can tell at Aranda's core like he wants to run the ball I mean really at least that that was my thought like you can hire Spavital but he he really it it seems like to me guys he wants to run the football and that's the thing is they've had personnel and running backs who who could do that Uh, it's just kind of been a big key for them as to how the offensive line and tight ends have been able to equip themselves because I actually think the receiving core and some of the talent they've got in those areas the pass catching like you know, I feel like they can get guys. I feel like they're in a state where they can still get guys. I, I don't know if that'll end up being their issue. But it's feel like up front, like that's a huge challenge for them, and and kind of finding some consistency with that. I think they just wanted to find more consistency on offense, and I think maybe changing the identity, handing over the reins a bit, just changing something up was they. And I also like the fact that he's talking to Blake Shapen, and so because um, you know, it's crazy, strange guys. I, I thought about this. We were thinking about it. Uh, Will Howard and, and Blake Chapin, those are the last two Big 12 championship winning quarterbacks, mm-hmm. and they're both in the – look, if they can get Chapin back, you know, I, I think he's a really good player still. I think uh, obviously struggled this year with injuries and whatnot, but I still think having a guy who's been around that long is actually good for the program and also somebody who's with those, the high moments as of late is good. So maybe he can retain, but I, I think he will be able to find a quarterback. Um, so I do like the hire, and I, I do think for them it's – kind of the right decision. I mean, for Spavito, it's, it's, it's a, you know, it's a good spot for him to kind of, in a state where things went wrong as a head coach, kind of rectify things as an OC maybe. And for Aranda, it's a nice little reset, I believe. What do you think about uh, Kansas losing Andy Kotelnicki to uh, Penn State and the effect that that could have on that offense? I mean, Lance Leipold's going to be fine football X's and O's wise, but man, he was a, a big part of what they, they did, especially when they were cooking there with Jalen Daniels. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if there's like I'm not sure if I have the words to do it, guys. I mean they 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 did some mean some mean nasty stuff. <laughs> that offense was absolutely nasty. I mean a lot of those concepts, like you know they they Jason Bean was involved in plays. Now I think about all the time that the two point conversion, the last one they ran against Arkansas last year, it was the Daniels handoff to Bean, and I think they even ran that with Cole Ballard at one point too when Bean was the quarterback. Like, they have just so many cool run concepts. And their game management was really good, too. And so, 
I love anecdotal, Mickey. I love the way they generate that offense. I think that's the that's the thing. Like whoever they're promoting, I forget the guy's name off the top of my head. It was a quarterback coach offense. I forget who it was, but um, like the creativity for them was such a. I mean, there's there's just not many guys who are that creative. Now this week is the Broyles Award um, the finalist, and I know Kansas won eight games, or whatever. I I think whoever votes for that, like we need to stop looking at the at the the top, you know, like like top taking the top coaches and top teams. We just have to stop doing that. We can't just say like my, like God love Mike Bobo, but I've watched a lot of really average and below average Mike Bobo offenses. And Georgia's was awesome this year, but it should have been awesome. Guys like Andy Kotal, Nikki deserve a lot of credit because if you look at their losses outside of Texas, they were close games with a third string quarterback playing most of the time. And that's because the scheme was so good and they put their playmakers in good positions. And when it was Cole Ballard, they run a lot of wildcat with Devin Neal. Like he just under, he would even use guys like Jared Casey really well. And so I, I trust Lance Leipold. I mean, I think before it's all said and done, guys, if Lance Leipold continues on this trajectory, Andy Kotelnicki will not be the last assistant that he has leave and go off somewhere else. So I think um, that's the one thing they're going to miss is I don't know if the rest of the staff can be as creative. Now, he left them a pretty good, uh, you know, a cornucopia of plays, if you will, but they just kind of the creativity on a game-to-game basis is always a delight, in my opinion. Josh, uh, Will Howard is in the portal. What do you think is a good match for him? I mean, it's it's the Avery Johnson era now at Kansas State. I mean, we saw enough of him to know that, you know, one of those guys was going to have to leave this year, and it's not going to be the, the the young guy, right, if you're, if you're Chris Kleiman. Yeah. So, Will Howard has had a good couple of years, uh, including a conference title. Where does he, Where do you see him fitting in? Well, I think for Kansas State, like, this is more of a identity and personnel choice. And I also think for Will Howard, this is a, you know, NFL choice. Because the one thing you notice with K-State's offense is they want to be a varied rushing attack, I think, first. And Will Howard can run, but the receivers were not very good at getting open. And so and they had some struggles running on the rock this year, too. So I think for them, Colin Klein was more of a – I mean, he was Will Howard's size, but, like, I think, uh, you know, more of a, you know, honestly, more of a Kansas rushing attack would work for them. You've got a potential stud in Avery Johnson. I think putting all of your time, energy, and resources into that is smart. And then for Will Howard, I mean, honestly, guys, like, take your pick. I mean, he is, he's a really good quarterback. And he is, you know, he's mobile. He's big. He's got, he's got a big arm, obviously. We've seen him spread it all over the field. I think there are a lot of, I mean, well, there's a lot of top ten schools that are losing quarterbacks, and you could do a lot worse than Will Howard, a quarterback. I mean, think about Bo Nix, right? Like, we didn't think about Bo Nix. He's a great guy until he went up to the Northwest. And, you know, he's teamed up with the, the guys up there, you know, and they've done a great job. Uh, Will Stein has done a fantastic job with that offense and, uh, you know, making Bo Nix look great. And Will Howard kind of has some similar physical traits to Bo Nix. You know, I would say Washington, too, right? Uh, Will Howard kind of fits, uh, you know, with what they do there, the passing the football as well. So I think there's plenty of options for him. Uh, different places for him to go and honestly I think there's a lot of places where the the list is a lot longer about where he does not fit compared to where he does fit Josh if Texas wins tomorrow do they find themselves in the college football playoff in your opinion well it's gonna it's gonna depend on if Paul had a good evening or not Um, (laughs) I think that is that's that's probably dependent on that I, I don't know so at this point in time I'm super confused because the, the committee likes to move those goalposts, as we know. Oh, yeah. And so, they're like, we're super concerned about finding the best four teams. 
All right, we'll check 24-7 sports and, and then just, you know, you just basically remove uh, 90, you know, 90-some teams, 100-some teams out of the FBS from your rankings each week, right? And that's what we're really trying to do here. Use Bud Elliott's blue chip ratio if you want to talk about which teams can actually win because the games have to matter. I saw Peter Burns tweet something last night where he said, uh, I believe he, he was like, Texas beat Alabama when Deion Sanders was running college football. Like, why does that matter? This, this was the same season, and the results have to matter, and Texas beat Alabama at Alabama. But I think the one trump card Texas will have is, to me, you cannot have a 14 playoff with Alabama in it. That does not include Texas. Right. Uh, it's hard to justify. It, it, the, the math does not work out. And then on the other side of things, too, let's just say that Chalk holds Georgia wins. Well, I know Florida State from a television standpoint, and that's what this is, I know FSU from a television standpoint is going to be a huge meh because of the third string. They'll still do well TV-wise. But the matchup is just hard to get behind if it's going to be maybe Tate Rotomaker playing, depending on how bad the injury is. Paul, what's the third stringer's name? I don't even know the kid's Br- name. Brock Glenn. Sure. He was exactly. at a, wasn't he committed I mean, to Ohio State yeah. at one point? Yeah. yeah. Okay. That yeah. was a, that's a random name generator is what that is. That's <laughs> that name comes from. So, yeah. like, that, so, but if they win to me – if you go 13-0, and you're a Power 5 champion with wins against Louisville, the third string, LSU, and on the road against Clemson, I cannot, I can't keep you out. And so even if it's third string quarterback, I don't care like if we're, how you assess it. Resume has to matter. That's what you are. You are what your resume says you are, and that's what earning it is, are the wins and losses on your schedule. So Texas probably most likely pass is if Louisville wins. Uh, least or you know kind of secondary pass and Alabama gets in and I'm skeptical about that uh, and obviously it involves Texas winning too so I think those are the two ways you could see something happen but I feel like now the more likely one it was before but especially now is Louisville getting the win. Josh of the Dave Aranda 25 minutes or so he gave to us and, and thank you for listening and watching that and obviously important to hear what he has to say what were a couple of things that stood out to you uh, from what you heard? So I'm going to go really big picture here. I was thinking about this as I was listening. I I don't think we find too many people, you all know it better than I do, that, that don't like Dave Aranda. I do think at, at points you could even argue his honesty and, his, and how forthright he is and how almost quietly thoughtful he is can work against him at times just because there's more brash, outgoing people. I want Dave Aranda to do well because I like Dave Aranda the person and I believe in what he says and I like I actually like the values. I hate being altruistic. Uh, I would be a terrible AD, by the way, because I would always go for like the values higher. But that kind of gets me to my point. Those that doesn't always get you. That doesn't really get you wins. I mean, I'm I work in Arkansas, guys. Uh, Sam Pippen's a nice guy. Everybody likes. Guess who they brought back this week because things are not going well. Bobby Petrino. Guess who came back to the SEC last year after leaving in disgrace to be called prostitutes off the school phone? Hugh Freeze. Right. Everybody hates Eli Drinkowitz's guts because he's a weird nerd. But guess what? He's a dogged recruiter, and also they won 10 games this season. Like, the good guys in this sport typically do not always win. And that is the one thing about this sport that kind of makes it tough to watch at certain points. You know, I, you know, I, I know folks from the, the Baylor, uh, the Bryles tree make, make people feel certain ways about that kind of stuff, too. Jeff Letty getting hired makes a certain group of people feel a certain type of way. So I think that that's kind of my big thought is like, man, I want the good guy to do well. Dave Aranda doing well was a win for the good guys. This is a loss to the bad guys as he's doing poorly right now. But 
this is not a sport where good guys always win. And if you can coach, man, you will have a long, long life in this business, much like people like Bobby Petrino, much like people like Hugh Freeze. And I don't know if the kind of dog or the schematic expert, uh, you know, kind of type recruiter, motivator type person is in Aranda the way it's in some of those guys. And I think that's good for his personal life probably. Maybe not good for a football program, which is sad to say. Josh, you freeze would like you to know it was escorts. That's a, oh. I, don't know, I don't know what the delineation is there, but classy. Yeah. Yeah. Much classier for you. And then obviously you got to go to the Jesus, Jesus camp, real bills, the, the real meditation <laughs> program, Liberty. And, you know, get to get to do that. Yeah. But I mean, like guys like that, you know, he's got a job again and he almost beat Bama. Yeah. Right. I mean, he's done it before. That's, that's kind of how you get a second life in this business. And so, uh, I feel bad for Dave, but uh, I don't know if the attitude you know, is, is going to make a 18 to 22 year old kid stay on campus for him. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate it. Great stuff and insight across the board. As always, Fridays at 4, Josh Neighbors from 365 Sports with what he has on his podcast every single week and day. Also, coming up next, Ricky Thompson. We had Ricky on a lot during the season. Wednesday's former receiver, also the uh, sideline reporter. Uh, for Baylor Radio, and I asked him, I said, let's wait this week until they get the offensive coordinator so he'll join us in the next segment. Craig, you got something else? No, I mean, there's there's a lot of other stuff, too, uh, to touch on before the end of the day. We got the uh, Pac-2 figuring out their yeah. futures. We've got more portal stuff, and so, no, uh, nothing right now. We get into Ricky, but uh, a lot of other things to touch on here over the next hour and a half as well. This is, and we appreciate you every day you can spend with us, 365 Sports. In our logo and advertising, we say we are people that you can count on. What does that mean? It starts with providing a quality vehicle and quality service at a fair price. But it also means we do what we say we will do, and we treat people fairly with respect. It starts by hiring great people, good local folks who work hard with a caring attitude. Our employees are the real reason we are people that you can count on. Put us to the test and see for yourself that at Richard Car Motors, we are people you can count on. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby is a homegrown, locally owned pizza place that's out of this world. Everything from the dough, the sauce, the sausage topping is made fresh in-house. Not to mention the amazing pizza pillows, the chicken wings are to die for. Try the Sikkim sauce, chili cheese fries or tots, plus great specials on food and drink every single day. Shorty's is also the perfect spot to watch the game with your friends. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby. Tell them Paul sent you by. want to know why Stonewood Dental is so successful? Listen to what happy customers have to say. Pleasant. It's different than any other dentist's office. I really feel like they care. And it's not that you're here for two hours waiting on someone to take care of you. It's quick and easy. And, you know, I bring my kids and my kids love being here, too. They really love the treasure box. staff is really nice and accommodating, real friendly. You feel more like home. It's not sterile looking. Everybody has their own personalized rooms with decorations and decor, and they'll even have a blanket for you when it's cold. <laughs> I've recommended people to actually come here, and they are patients now. I really love it here. It feels like family. Learn more. Stonewood-Dental.com.
TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge checking and savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers too. Nachos and and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrip off I-35 in Carrollton. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 4 o'clock hour is sponsored by Boozer's Jewelers, the wedding ring store, specializing in custom jewelry and repair, all in-house. Now, here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. You know, you see a lot of players entering the transfer portal. We have mentioned a lot of players who are not. I thought this was a couple of days ago. Really loved this one. The young man from Army saying that he's entering... And, and, and going active military, he's going to go active. He's not coming back to play football for the uh, cadets. He's not entering the transfer portal. He is entering, going to serve, as most everybody will when they go to an academy, for the United States Armed Forces. Yeah, and look at that dude. Good luck, enemies of America. Yeah. So what a great story. USA. Appreciate that. Yeah. USA. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the cool transfer portal uh, posts that I've seen and images in a long time. Yeah, I did want to make mention as well. Um, that's very cool. Very cool. Uh, love love the patriotism, love the, uh, love the service. Um, but we are talking about, uh, with Josh, various other things. Don't let it get lost as well. West Virginia has confirmed Neil Brown will be back yeah. next season. I think we all expected that to be the case with their 8-4 and four run. But there was so much talk about him. Uh, but now it's, it's known now. Ren Baker has confirmed that Neil Brown will be back for another season. So that basically leaves the, the, uh, the coaching landscape, head coaching-wise, in the Big 12 down to just this decision that Houston's got coming up, which all signs point to Willie Fritz. And right. that happening in the next couple of days, which I think would be a great hire. I didn't know how likely it was when we first spoke on it a few days ago. It just, I don't know, like, does he love New Orleans? I don't know. Does he love, like, their positioning? Now, it's easy to see where the money would be more attractive. So, yeah, um, that's that's interesting, though, that uh, we've got just this one job out of the carousel. So. Just one left. Yeah, and I mean, as far as the Big 12 yeah, goes. And yeah, and then you don't know what, what may happen following a bowl game or even between now and the conference championships and bowl games. Sam Barchik, by the way, is the name of the player from West Point. Ricky Thompson, former beta wide receiver, radio sideline analyst with us. Ricky, we wanted to wait until after Baylor made the decision as an offensive coordinator. Uh, your thoughts about uh, what they've done with the hiring of Jake Spavital? Well, two things. First off, uh, they're, I guess the two finalists uh, were really two different type offenses. I mean, everybody here spread and they think that's all they're all the same. They're not. I mean, when you go to the leech tree, 
you're really talking about run and shoot. And to me, that's a throw it 40, 50 times a game. Your running backs really, they get their carries by swing pass, circle routes. You get the ball to them by throwing it to them. And I think the pure spread is the one that our fans are used to. When you spread your offensive lineman, you create a running game like this guy coming in did at Cal, where his guy averaged 114 yards a game, led the Pac-12 in rushing. That's the type spread I like because I, I do still think you have to run the football, and I think he's going to do that. So all things said and the situation we were in, uh, trying to get get a guy to come in knowing the situation, I, I don't know if we could have done much better, guys. Ricky, what do you think about the personnel on the roster they have right now being able to move into this system? Obviously, they're going to get new players. They're going to be in the portal and all that. But of the guys that could potentially stay, is this something you think they can transition to faster? I think this offense, number one, let's start in the backfield. I think this is made for Richard Reese. Uh, what we were doing was not. I think this is a real – this should excite him. So running back spot, Pendergrass, Dominique, those guys, they're fine in the spread. I mean, you always want to add guys. Uh, receivers, got to get some more speed outside to be real effective at the spread. I think when when you have two guys outside that can really run, it really opens up your slot guys to get open. Just go back to Texas State and look what they did to us in the slot the first game of the year. They killed us wasn't their outside guys. It was the guys in the slot that receivers outside that could really run. You end up man inside with those slot guys and they kill you. So I think you've got to work some uh, at the outside receiver spot. I think linemen, the way our guys are built, we had really more tall, slender uh, type linemen, uh, not a lot of beef on them. I think this offense is better for those guys. Uh, they don't have to blow guys off the ball. You just get position and you turn. Uh, I think that's better. Quarterback, Sawyer, uh, this is the first year he's ever taken a snap under center. All he's ever run is the spread. So I think it's better for him. Uh, whether Blake uh, ends up leaving or he comes back, I don't think any of us know that yet. I know they'll probably try to keep him. He may already have his mind made up. Uh, tight ends, <laughs> we may have about six too many. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, but there'll have to be an adjustment there. I don't think there's any question about that. We'll see how that goes or how that's affected. But uh, there's going to have to be some adjustments. There's no question. You don't go to a completely different style offense without changes. So uh, I think clearly we'll have some personnel changes. Yeah, I don't know if you were able to see the uh, or hear much of the interview, Ricky, but uh, Dave did mention that Jake Spavital was currently meeting with Blake Shapin about his decision to enter the portal. So there is at least that conversation already ongoing, and the door at least cracked open that he could potentially return. So uh, that was definitely an interesting note from that interview. Yeah, I, I had heard that, and I think, you know, Blake, one year left, I, I don't know that he would be one of the top guys in the portal, but to stay home, which this should be home to him. And I think the spread would be good for Blake. 
Uh, I think he's that type quarterback that could really deliver the ball in a spread type offense. I hope he stays. I understand if he doesn't, but uh, we'll find some guys back there. But I would hope Blake finishes it out here and uh, would get a dose of this offense that uh, I wish he could have played in some before. Go ahead, Craig. What are your thoughts, Ricky, on Aranda taking over on defense uh, for all intents and purposes? He's going to call plays, as he mentioned in here. Powell is still going to have a role, um, but you know he's he's going to be the guy. Basically, it'll start and stop with him on the defensive side. I know there's plenty that thought he should probably have more on his plate as far as that goes, but now he's going to have a full plate uh, with the defense. What are your What are your thoughts on that move there? I wish he'd have done it two years ago. Yeah, uh, I, I, I think it's exactly what he needs to do. Uh, not a big fan, but remember Gary Patterson. I mean, the dude had some of the best defenses in the league, and he was the head coach, and they won a lot of football games. So it's not like it's the first time somebody's coordinated one side of the ball and they were the head coach. He's just going to learn how to do it. He'll have to uh, delegate some things, but that's what being a leader is, and he's going to have to figure out how to do it. But uh, supposedly one of the best coordinators in the country, why wouldn't we want him calling our defense? I, I think it's the exact right move, and I wish it would have been done a couple of years ago. Uh, might have been in a different position defensively than we are now. Yeah, Ricky, I was kind of always surprised that wasn't the case from the beginning. And look, Ron Roberts, year, you know, when he came in, that that worked out. But like to me, that was you know because Dan, like sometimes when they the coaches give it up, it, it should be something like Jimbo who's not adapting his system, or it's just they're older. Well, Dave's not old, you know, so it's it would still seem to me to be be in his wheelhouse. Yeah, I think so too. And you know, the other thing it's going to do. To me, it's going to get him even more involved in the game, and I, and I like that, and I think that'll affect personality. If you look now and you watch occasionally on the sideline and you see Dave, which a lot of head coaches are, they're huddled on the sideline there determining what they're going to do, and Dave's standing out maybe a couple yards outside the huddle uh, with his headset up, and he's not really in there involved in it. And I know he was trying to let his coordinators do their jobs, but I like the fact He's going to have to get more involved. Uh, and I think with that, a little bit of, of adrenaline goes with that. And I just think I don't see anything negative about it at all, guys. I think it's the right thing. I think it's the right thing for him to get involved in. Uh, we know as by reputation he's really good at it. So, I mean, I, I think it's a great move. He said in a question I asked him, and Phil Bennett had brought this up, that in that last drive against West Virginia, he was on and he heard what was being said on the calls. But he did not, for example, veto. He did not get involved. He admitted that. That's not going to happen again is what he said because he'll be involved in that. Does that surprise you? And it was pretty obvious that he was not more involved than maybe, oh, wait a minute, are we sure here? Yeah, it is a little bit surprising, and I think I see reasons for doing that, just that you want your coordinators to do their job and you don't want to be seen as the head coach that interferes. But you know what? If anybody interferes, it ought to be the head coach. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he's the guy that's got his neck on the line. So uh, I, I'm honestly kind of glad to hear that he wasn't involved because I don't think it was called very well. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that I think that's a good thing that he wasn't and that we're going to see something different and 
I think that's really good because remember, guys, second week of the year, we're going to see Air Force, yep. which is a team that you see an offense like that, what, maybe once every four or five years? Well, we, we're going to see it twice in three years. So uh, that is a real test for a defense coordinator to get ready for an offense like that that you play once in a minute. So uh, I, I'm really glad that he wasn't involved in that last series. I thought that was really, God, that, that was just not a way to end the game when you when you were in a position to, to win that thing. They had to go 80 yards and didn't have much time to do it. Ricky, I know that uh, the Bears did not see Oklahoma State this season, but you did see Texas, and, and I'm not sure how much uh, pokes that you've actually watched this year, but any thoughts on the Big 12 championship game, the end of an era, uh, so to speak, tomorrow in Arlington? Yeah, it really is. I don't think there's any question Texas should win that game. Uh, we've seen a lot of games before where the team that should win didn't, but I'm going to be really surprised. And guys, what about Oklahoma State? You know, South Alabama beat you 33 to six. Then you beat K State and Oklahoma. So how do you figure those guys out? Uh, I, they're they're capable, but have been really inconsistent. Uh, I would really like to see them play well tomorrow. I don't know what will happen there, but uh, if I had to pick one way or the other. I'd say that's a game Texas should win. Ricky, thank you, as always, for all of what you did throughout the year. We'll kind of pick your brain as well, so don't you go too far. No more board right, Not too many board meetings, but I know you need to do that running the bank you do at Elias Bank. I'm sure, I'm yeah. sure you're telling him not to have board meetings is breaking his heart. Yeah, oh, man, I'd hate to miss. All right, Ricky, thank you. Appreciate Thanks, you so much. Ricky Thompson uh, from Baylor Radio, sideline reporter. and he, He's got a sense of humor, and he's not afraid. That, that, that truth serum. We'll have J.J. Joe on next week at some point to talk about Spavital once he's introduced on Monday. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I'm seeing all these tweets of, like, don't get my hopes up when they're looking at some of the quotes from the interview with Aranda because it wasn't, you know, all negative, and, and that's kind of been the aura that's been around the program now for a little while. But, you know, a lot of the stuff makes sense or it sounds good on paper and, and coming from Aranda and long off season to go. Um, but I do think that everybody, uh, for the most part, agrees that some good moves are being made, at least on paper. Like, there's been moves in the past, like, that didn't work. Hey, Larry Fedora, great hire. And then that turned out to be, <laughs> like, not a great hire during the COVID year. So we'll see, obviously. But I'm I'm just sensing, and especially after talking to Ricky, too, of just there's some positivity that's kind of trying to work its way through for the first time in a while, you know? And it feels kind of good. It feels like a shower after a long day. You know what I mean? Yeah, because it's not all the crazy pills. Yeah, it's just about. not all of just a banging your head against the wall and frustration after another Saturday. It's, okay, they've, they've got some problems. At least now they've got time to address those problems, as does every other team out there for the most part. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's nice to have a little bit of – optimism but also realistically knowing that hey this is one year and this is all setting up for this one run and if it doesn't work out then we're going to be talking about an even bigger massive overhaul next season and you look at that schedule too and it's going to be curious to see you know what they're able to to come up with because that is I mean Air Force and Utah Air Force at home Utah on the road in the first three games (laughs) you start off in a hole right out of the chute so uh, yeah that's going to be 
a lot of fun, but the buildup is actually going to be kind of a breath of fresh air given what the last year's kind of been like, which I'm, I'm thankful for that. All right. Uh, thank you very much again to uh, Baylor for allowing us to have the time with uh, Dave Aranda and also uh, the response. And, and again, you could I'd go back and listen to it a couple of different five or six times because that would be, to me, kind of important. Uh, it doesn't mean you have to like it, but it obviously is a, a something that's right there. Uh, I, I Was there anything from – I know we have uh, Grayson coming about. How's the recruiting with Spavitol? Does that make a difference? Anything else from Miranda that we have not yet touched on? I'm about to leave the show. Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, we'll, we'll I'll ask Grayson about the recruiting. I mean, that's that's his wheelhouse right there. But, yeah, I think we, we've kind of covered it all. I think it's 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 – I, 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 if you haven't seen the interview, I would even if you're not a fan of Baylor, I would encourage you to go back and watch it because it's really interesting to have a coach in Dave Aranda's position, which is on the hot, one of the hottest seats in college football. Like going He's number in, one going in the next year, yeah, yeah. it's him and be. Chip Kelly yeah. next year yep. as the two yep. hottest seats in college football. So like those two guys, like. I don't know if Chip would have come in here and done that, but for Dave to come in here and bear his soul a little bit is really interesting. And to just educationally kind of take some things from that of, okay, where are, like, where is Baylor? Like, how do you approach this thing of, you know, it's it's not lost on Dave that this is a make or break year. Yep. And this is one, like, there's no delusions of like, well, we've got three more years, you know, like we'll figure it out. Like, no, it's this year. It's him and Jake Spavitol and Matt Pallage and the coaches on that staff getting new talent in here, updating your system, and how they attack that and the changes he said he's going to make. All right. Uh, when we come back, Grayson Grunhafer on has the change in offensive coordinator made a difference on the recruiting trail or how will it make a difference? Transfer Portal 2. And then in the 5 o'clock hour, it's Texas and Oklahoma State tomorrow in Arlington. We'll hear from both Rod Babers and Sam Mays, Paul's top five in about an hour here on 365 Sports. Yeah, I know we got a lot of mixed fan bases, uh, and we've talked a lot of better today because of that Iran interview. We're about to finish it out here with Grayson, but we will get into a lot of other things. The Pac-2, Big 12 title game, the other title games, uh, a lot of other stuff we'll get into this final hour, so just stick with us. All right, uh, I'm David Smoke, Garrett Ross, Craig Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Levi Emery and Jack McKenzie. This is 365 Sports. Final days of the Black Friday sales event at Allen Samuels, Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat, new 2023 Ram, 1500 Laramie, crew cab four-wheel drive, 14000 off MSRP. Also, demo specials, the 2023 Jeep Wagoneer Series 3. This is a great car. 6800 right now off MSRP. And Tahoe and Expedition owners get an extra $2,000. A 2023 Ram truck. 1500 quad cab, 43999 that's $10,800 in savings. Or the 2023 Ram four-wheel drive quad cab, 38999 plus tax title and license. There's the 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Limited, 4x2 demo, 50620 There's a lot more. I'm telling you that now, that price of 50000 is 41657 Go see AJ, one of the great sales reps, or you can see the CEO and GM. He's there all the time. Ted Teague. It's Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep Ram, Fiat, Loop 340, east of 84 in Waco. 
With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Niche Group Insurance Agency. With the Niche Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Niche Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Niche Group at 1-800-258-8302. Baylor alumni are more than 160,000 strong. When we all join hands to support our university, we don't just move the needle, we move mountains. Working together, we create life-changing opportunities for students on the field, in the classroom, in the laboratory, and in life for generations to come. So get connected. Get involved. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni. Did you know that one out of every four men have symptomatic low levels of testosterone and don't even know it? And if you think you're too young to worry about it, guess again. Low T levels can make you feel tired and grumpy, raise your cholesterol, and cause weight gain. Petty Clinic Low T can set up same-day blood screening and results. So if you're tired of being tired, call or go online at PettyClinicLowT.com. It's a private clinic with an atmosphere catering to men. Affordable, only $165 a month, including lab work, office consultation, testosterone injections, and follow-up visits compared to $300 or more a month in Dallas or Austin, and you don't have to drive 90 miles one way or the other and fight the traffic. Petty Clinic Low T has board-certified physician consultations and will provide the best form of brand-strength testosterone. Contact Petty Clinic Low T for increased energy, improvement in sexual desire and performance, mood, concentration, even a decrease in body and belly fat. Just off Highway 84 and Old Hewitt Drive in Woodway, PettyClinicLowT.com. letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. From the first workout to the last practice, sports is an incredible challenge. Hi, this is Dan Engel with the First National Bank of Central Texas, and we're proud to support each athlete, every parent, and our educators. From families, small businesses, to the biggest industry, we're here to help. With remarkable products like instant-issue debit cards free at all of our banking centers, we've got banking ideas that fuel big dreams. The First National Bank of Central Texas, familiar faces making local decisions. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. The 365 Sports Friday Show is presented by Bird Culchin Ford and the U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company. Welcome back, 365 Sports. Grayson Grunhafer, Sikkim365.com recruiting analyst. And Grayson, we had Dave Aranda on earlier. Uh, we'll get your thoughts on that. Jake Spavital is aboard. So first off the bat, though, how do you feel that Jake Spavital coming on board will affect their recruiting, not only in high school, uh, which he didn't do at his last head coaching job, but uh, we'll obviously have to do that now, and in the transfer portal, which he did do at his last head coaching job? 
Well, you know, I, I think it's really interesting, right, because he has coached in Texas before, and he is a guy who I do think um, is going to be one who appeals a lot with the high school prospects around the state, especially because his scheme, uh, it really fits a lot of the schemes in Texas. And that was something that I know a lot of people have talked about with, you know, the wide zone scheme being something that's a little bit harder to adjust to, harder to learn. Um, so I think this spread scheme will definitely fit you know, many of the wide receivers, the running backs, and of course the quarterbacks throughout the country. And, you know, just talking to some of the commits and, you know, that Baylor already has, whether it's Adam Schobel or Nate Bennett, um, you know, the two quarterback commits that Baylor has in 2024 and 2025, they're both really excited uh, for the kind of offense that he's going to bring in and excited for the change and um, the explosiveness of his offense, I think is going to be really exciting. So yeah, I think it's going to appeal a lot to recruits across the country and um, you know, for Dave Rand and this staff, I, I think this was kind of uh, a near-perfect hire. I, I'm not going to say that he's the best offense coordinator in the country. He, he isn't that, but he's definitely a very good one. And a guy who also comes with something that I think Dave Aranda uh, specifically really wanted in his offense coordinator, and that's a guy who does have head coaching experience in his past, uh, which Babadol does have. So, yeah, I think in general, this this is a very, very nice hire for Baylor and, and one that I think definitely should uh, raise their ceiling going into next year and help on the recruiting trail as well. Grayson, what's it like to see all these declarations from players? Uh, it's kind of wild, right, to see guys who maybe even just signed a year ago, they're already like, hey, I'll be back again, rather than just like you sign up and you're there for four years. It's a different world they're playing in. Um, but, you know, always tagging GXG Exchange because clearly that's the NIL collective. Have you noticed um, a buzz or have you noticed a, a positive trend in that direction as far as just the the declarations and the involvement of the NIL wing and, and how that's all working now as opposed to previously? I mean, it, it's definitely different. You know, this is the time of the year where players typically post pictures that they got from the season and just say, you know, can't wait for next year or what a season, you know, getting ready for next year, the grind never stops, things like that. But this year it's much more, um, you know, I'm going to be back, you know, another year uh, that I'm going to be in Waco. And then, of course, like you said, tagging GXG. Um, you know, I think it's important for Baylor. Um, they haven't really spotlighted their NIL collective very much at all over the last year, two years, really. Um, so I think it's important for them to start, you know, making that a little bit more public. And so I like that they're doing this. I think it's going to be very helpful. I think it definitely speaks to uh, recruiting and to your players that, you know, you are competitive on the NIL side of things, which, you know, I, I think there's this false narrative that Baylor hasn't been competitive with NIL because they have. They just haven't necessarily gone about it the right way. And I think them shifting their focus a little bit um, and changing up some things on that front uh, should definitely help some things on the recruiting trail, whether it's from high school recruits, the transfer portal, or, of course, your own roster, which is just as important these days. Has anybody jumped out that said, hey, I'm coming back? I just saw Trey Emery there a little while ago. Uh, Did notice George Maye. He is entering the transfer portal. But has anything been... I guess, surprising, illuminating, or just good confirmation of like, oh, hey, good to see that guy making the declaration? Uh, I wouldn't say anything has necessarily been crazy, you know, alarming in a good way. I mean, Brendan Beck coming back, that was one that I feel like is very important. He's a very good player and an important piece up front. And, you know, he kind of fits that narrative that Baylor really has been uh, pushing, you know, just trying to keep their young guys, right, and, and trying to find a way to make sure that, 
all their young guys who showed flashes this year come back to the program and continue to build on what they did this year. So that kind of fits that profile. And as you mentioned, with George Maia entering the portal, um, you know, that one's tough to see. And I know a lot of people are going to look at it and say, oh, former four-star, that's a huge loss for Baylor. And, you know, maybe it will be. But I also think he was recruited for a different scheme. And, and the fact of the matter is, is he wasn't able to play very meaningful snaps this year, and the offensive line was as bad as it was. And so I think that's pretty telling. And now this shift with Jake Spavadol coming in, it is going to mix some things up on the offensive side. So that really shouldn't be all that surprising. So, Grayson, your thoughts on uh, Dave Aranda's comments on the show uh, an hour and a half ago? Well, I mean, the most I, – I, I don't know about most important, but probably the most significant news from it was talking about how Jake Spavadol was having a meeting with Blake Shapin, and they're trying to figure out, you know, what Blake Shapin's future is going to be. Uh, the report earlier this week was that Shapin was going to enter the transfer portal or planning to enter the transfer portal since – he technically can't till December 4th. Um, but I think it was really important that they were able to get their offense coordinator in the building, get him to have that conversation quickly, not only with Blake Shapin, but with the entire team, and then figure out things in, in the direction that they're moving in uh, going forward because he's going to have to get ready to recruit the transfer portal as well. So kind of solving you know, all the issues of the roster, the current roster, making sure he knows who's going to be there and who isn't going to be there is really important and really significant when you talk about trying to figure out how many spots you have available and what spots you need to recruit uh, from the transfer portal. What did you think about uh, just the changes on defense? Uh, he made mention that you know he was sitting there listening as they were making the calls there on that final drive, but also talked about you know obviously there's a lot of love for Pallage and there's a lot of belief in what he can be in the future, but uh, Day's going to coach linebackers and he's going to be playing you know calling the plays. We talked to Ricky Thompson. He's like, well, it's what I wanted to hear. What, what, what say you uh, as far as Aranda grabbing the reins over on defense? I mean, I don't really think he had a choice at this point. Sure. I mean, the defense hasn't been very good for you know the last at least year and a half, and you could say it even stretches further uh, back than that. And so you kind of look at it and go, well, you know, Dave Randa was on the hot seat this offseason, uh, a very hot seat. We know going into next year that seat's only going to be hotter, and the fact of the matter is you got to use your strength. And what we know from Dave Randa during his coaching career is that he knows how to coach defense and has had a lot of successful defenses throughout his entire career. So why not go ahead and lean into that strength? And so I think it's very important for him to do this. I think it allows him to uh, really show his best qualities as a coach. And I think that's the most important thing. When you're a head coach, you got to re really, really lean into your strength. And I think him coaching the defense, coaching it day to day, every single day, and then also calling the plays is going to be extremely important for the development of these young guys while also giving Baylor an established defensive identity. I, I think that's just so important to this whole equation. Uh, but it's also a big reason that he brought in someone like Jake Spavadol to come in because he's got head coaching experience. Dave Rand's going to feel really comfortable with him running the offense day to day and not really have to be uh, extremely focused on that side of the ball. And I think that's extremely important and something that's going to be huge for the program going forward. And I also like that Dave said he was going to coach linebackers as well. Uh, that's been the position that he's really uh, that's been his strong suit throughout his career is coaching linebackers, and he's going to do that, of course, with Christian Robinson as well. 
um, who's a very good recruiter, and I'm happy that he's going to be returning because I do think there's some uh, big strengths that he has, and I think he's got a bright future going forward, just like Matthew Pallage does. Grayson Grunay for Sikkim365.com. Grayson, thanks so much for, for pushing back and, and dealing with our – we had a very crazy first hour in this building uh, today. Finally, like, it's been a, a near three-year process to get Dave Aranda in the room. So it was, it was a big deal to get the Baylor coach here in the building today. So thanks for, thanks for moving your time. Oh, no doubt. I mean, you got Dave Aranda to come into the studio. I'm happy to be pushed back on a day like that. So, yeah, no, absolutely really cool stuff. And thanks for having me on still today, guys. All right. Grayson Greenhay for Sikkim365.com. In the next hour, we've got a lot to cover, including the perspectives of Oklahoma State and Texas for the Big 12 championship game, plus portal news and a lot to get to. We will get to all that next. This is 365 Sports. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em Bears. Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at Alliance BankTexas.com. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be a part of the Waco community. We're a small family business right here in Central Texas, and our goal is to bring down the cost of health care while maintaining high quality. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important, and unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. That's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through the difficult time. We offer premium MRIs just like a hospital with state-of-the-art technology and specialists, but you'll pay less. Sometimes thousands of dollars less, whether you're using insurance or not. At Ideal MRI, we accept most insurance and there are no hidden costs. Even offering financing if that's needed, everything included in the price, and you'll not get something as a surprise in the mail later on. If you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. They'll know. You can schedule an appointment safely from home online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or give us a call, 833-IDEAL-MRI, Ideal MRI. It was broad daylight. I stepped into a gas station for five minutes to grab a snack, and just like that, my car was broken into. They made out like a bandit. My laptop, my phone, everything. I called my agent to see what could be done, and he restored my faith in humanity. My claim was processed so quickly, and I was able to recover my losses. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. See all the things they can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. 
This is 365 Sports. The Sikkim 365 app is brought to you by Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat. Come by, let's be friends. Welcome back, 365 Sports. Paul Catalina, Craig Smoke, and Rob Rod Babers joins us. Uh, one of our favorite uh, Longhorn analysts. Uh, there is no lack of energy when it comes to Rod Babers, and I'm sure he is as fired up as he's been in a long time because Texas is not only in the Big 12 championship, but they're the favorites in the game, uh, and they're not having to play Oklahoma. Rod, this looks like a great matchup for the Horns off the top because of what Oklahoma State does well compared to what Texas does well and all of that. But where is the the spot you are concerned the Horns could slip up? Uh, first of all, thank you guys for having me again. I appreciate it. Um, where the Longhorns could slip up, that's an interesting question because it is a really good matchup. And I think the pass defense for Texas has been a little shaky all season long, specifically at the safety position. Teams have attacked the safety and have been able to make some big plays over the top. Uh, last week was probably the most aggressive. We've seen the corners play against Texas Tech. They play a lot of bump and run coverage on both sides, the field and the boundary. And I wonder if they'll try to do that again because Texas Tech presented probably the second best rusher that Texas has faced all season long in Taj Brooks. And I wonder if you'll see them do that again against Oklahoma State to try to bring an extra guy in the box, take away the easy RPO completions, the easy inside, inside breaking routes for, uh, for Alan Bowman at Oklahoma State and force him to hold on to the ball a little bit longer. People don't know. Of course, all the talk is about Ollie Gordon. He's going to win the Dove Walkers, the best running back in the country. Texas has one of the best rush defenses in the country, probably top five, top ten, one of the best rush defenses out there. And this will be the final exam for them. If they're truly a dominant rush defense, they'll be able to neutralize uh, Ali Gordon. What people don't know is that Oklahoma State throws the ball a lot. One of the leaders in passages in the conference actually is Alan Bowman. And last week versus BYU, they threw it 50-50 on first and second down run pass, ratio, uh, run pass ratio. So they throw it a lot more than people think. Rod, what jumps out to you about uh, Ollie Gordon and, and Oklahoma State in general? I mean, you kind of touched on it there with Alan Bowman, but as far as their, their matchup with Texas, but just in general, watching their film, what do you think of, of Gordon in particular? And then what else stands out to you amongst uh, the rest of what you saw there from the orange and black? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, I was saying what, one thing that I really liked about him, I had a friend of mine who was a scout. Uh, Jerry Hamilton over at Inside Sex had a really great description of Ollie Gordon. He called him, and I hope it's not a backhanded compliment, but he called him a low-budget Eddie George. <laughs> and I was like, actually, that's pretty damn good because Eddie George is a great running back, so I'll take a low-budget Eddie George any day. And he does kind of remind me of that and just his running style. Uh, I, I think that considering I'm not trying to take a shot at Oklahoma State's offensive line, I don't think they have elite run blocking, guys. Uh, as a matter of fact, you don't look at pro football focus, they have them at the 88th best run blocking unit on the offensive line in the country with a 57 run blocking grade as an offensive line. That's not great. But in spite of that, Ali Gordon still is able to pound out yardage. He's second in the country in yards after contact. He, he's a next level back. And if he is indeed elite guys, if he's elite, I'm talking about transcendent, then he will be able to get yards against this Texas rush defense. They will put his, 
uh, his, his elite ability to the test as a runner. And don't don't discount his ability as a pass catcher. Mm-hmm. Texas has been really susceptible to the screen game this year. Owl State ran some nice screens on him. Uh, K-State ran some screens on him. They're a really aggressive, fast, slow defense. So there are some things when you're talking about misdirection that can w- make that aggressiveness work against them. Um, and that's one of those things in the screen game. You can see Ali Gordon actually work that really well against Texas as well. Ron, if you're Steve Sarkeesian, what is your message to the team, seeing as you're a, a, an early kick, there'll only be one game that will affect you completed for the playoff. You know That'll be the Pac-12 game on Friday or tonight. Uh, how do you keep Texas focused on not worrying about what's ahead and worrying about Oklahoma State? Because winning the game is only part of the battle for Texas to get into the, into the playoff. Yeah, I mean, I actually, I have personal experience from this. I remember uh, we played Colorado in the Big 12 title game when I was at Texas in 01. We had already beat them earlier that year, so a little bit different than this scenario. But before the game, uh, Tennessee had lost, and we were informed that if we beat uh, Colorado, that it was very likely we'd play in the national title game against Miami, I thought it was at the time. And I remember that announcement, it put the right amount of pressure on some guys. Some guys like myself thought, this is the, the moment I've always waited for. I'm about to you know, accomplish my dreams or I'm about to play on the biggest stage in college football. And I want to be you know, the, I want to be the reason my team wins. I want to go make the big play on the big stage and incentivize some of those guys. I think others, uh, and they put too much pressure on themselves, right? And that pressure caused them to collapse and, and implode on themselves like a dying star. Uh, and so I think it was like, it was mixed in terms of the reaction coach got from that. And we lost that game in Colorado, actually. And we should have won that game. We should have been playing for a national title. But that's what pressure can do. And the difference between my generation and this generation is they have social media, so the, the pressure's already there. and They already know the expectations. And they already know what they're playing for. But this is a team that plays really well under pressure. My team, we were a really good team. 11 games, but we, we weren't clutch like this team. This team handles pressure and they're clutch. They make clutch plays in critical moments of the game. We've seen it in the Alabama game. Uh, we saw it, you know, in the K-State game, saw it U of H game, you know, TCU game. Time and time again, we've seen these guys make clutch plays offensively and defensively, and that's the difference. I think this team can handle the pressure because they have good leadership, and I've seen them perform at their best in pressure-packed moments. What's it like just right now as a, obviously you're a former player, but a, a fan, a supporter, a, a person following along the journey, knowing this is the last ride of the Big 12 and they've got an opportunity to go out on that high note and also possibly go play for a national title here. Just what's like uh, life like in Austin? It seemed to be rocking last Saturday against Texas Tech. You know, it's, it's weird, guys, because it's been a long time, right? 2009 was the last time you had a team this good and the last time you had a team that was in the national championship conversation if you were taking. So, long one fans, they're giddy about it. They're excited. But they're, they're a little anxious, uh, mm-hmm. especially with the farewell tour of the Big 12 happening. It's going it's going better than expected. And long fans are not used to things going better than expected. <laughs> they're waiting on the other shooter drop. They're waiting on some bad news. And I keep telling them, just enjoy the ride, enjoy the experience, even if there's a you know an unfortunate loss, uh, it, you still have to enjoy it. Most people have this team at ten and two, and they've way over exceeded expectations. And I think at this point they've 
put themselves in a position where they can play for a national title. So this is a great team. We've been trying to see if Texas can take the leap from being a good team like they were last year to being a great team, and that's exactly what they did. So people are excited. Uh, they act, they're they're pretty healthy. What we're hearing from Florida State is that they may have a third-string quarterback playing against Louisville, and if they lose, we know that's the easiest path for Texas. So, guys, there's a ton of optimism. There's a, a ton of uh, just over, I think just, just joy um, and with the program right now with the fandom because they haven't experienced it in a long time. It's been about 15 years since the Longhorns have been this good. Rod is a Florida State grad. I'm telling you, don't doubt Brock Glenn. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> hey, man, I've never heard of he could, he, he could become a legend tonight. He can become a legend this weekend, right? A yeah, legend. That's Listen, I'm, I'm going to go light candles at churches that I don't even go to uh, for that to happen. So. <laughs> hey, but on the other end, there'll be a lot of Longhorn fans lighting their own candles yeah, at home at churches. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, Rod, this is, um, and Craig mentioned it about the last ride of the Big 12 and the nostalgia and all that. Is there a little bit also of like, you know, especially after that Texas Tech game where Brett Yormark had, had thrown a big dart in the offseason and then, you know, they just steamrolled Tech of let's go out just absolutely guns a blazing. Yeah, I mean, there's also now this discussion about style points, right? Mm-hmm. That Texas, when they win, they need to win by a large margin, make it look good uh, in case the playoff committee has uh, a decision that comes down to style points, even though they have a you know better strength of schedule and better strength of record and better uh, record against top 25 teams and common opponents in Oregon. But we still know style points is a part of it. So there is a discussion about, hey, even with this being your last game, you know, in the Big 12, you need to make a statement, not only because of the farewell tour, uh, not only to, you know, silence all the haters and uh, Brett Yarmark and, and company, but also to make a statement to the national college football world about the, 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 the Longhorns and how good they are. And remember, guys, this is the first time I believe the committee watches all the games together. Uh, they actually get in a room together and watch them. Usually I think they watch them like remotely together. They're on iPads and stuff like that. So now they get a chance to watch them together. So there is something about winning impressively this weekend. So the committee as a group will go, hey, maybe we need to rethink the whole. There was a moment last week that uh, doesn't come around too often. It was just different. It was special. And you could feel the buzz around the entire country. And that's when Arch Manning made his long-awaited debut there Uh, I guess Malik Murphy's banged up right that's apparently what's going on there but uh, your thoughts on just seeing that unfold uh, the obvious electricity that surrounds this young man and just the the moment uh, to see that last week of him getting the big debut it's a great point, guys, because think about it. That that game was filled with these big, spectacular moments. You had all three phases of the game scored. You had a kickoff return for a touchdown. You know, you had uh, an interception return for a touchdown. There was a block punt. I mean, that was just great plays. Uh, there was a, it was a night game, so it was a drone shows and stuff. So the crowd was hype, and the energy level was really high the entire time. So there were all these moments where the crowd got really loud. And you could ask any Longhorn fan, the crowd – got loudest, the loudest of the night when Arch Manning came in in the third quarter, guys. I BS you not. It is wild. He had to come in and actually tell the crowd to quiet down. 
He was like, y'all come down. And I think the crowd was surprised because, like you said, Malik was supposed to go in, but Malik got hurt on one of the kickoff returns. He actually got clipped. I guess he had his, he was watching the Jumbotron, and he didn't see the guys on the field, and he ended up getting hit by some guy getting blocked on the sideline. He leaves the game, so nobody expected Arch to come in, and I was told that people were texting friends like, hey, you know you were leaving because the Longhorns are up by 40, but you need to get back here, or hey, because Arch is in the game, and people started coming back to their seats because of Arch. So I think he looked great, guys. He had, uh, the Longhorns only had, I believe, three Three third down conversions in that game, if I'm not mistaken. They didn't have a lot. They didn't need a lot. Um, more than, I believe, uh, yes, I believe Arch was two of them. <laughs> so, uh, Arch, Arch did pretty good for a guy. He had a eight minute touchdown drive, just his second drive, uh, of, of his career, actually. So I thought he actually looked pretty good. He looked calm. He looked cool and collected. Uh, he was, you can even tell that he was in command of the offense. And usually you don't say that or use that term for a freshman quarterback. So he's special. And I think it was apropos, uh, almost serendipitous that he got in the game and we didn't see Malik because I think Malik will probably end up moving on and the future will be ours. But the world on the street is that Quinn's coming back too. So we got first world problems at quarterback at that. Yeah, yeah, you certainly do. Rod, thank you so much. Enjoy Arlington tomorrow. Have a blast, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks, guys. Take care. That's Rod Babers. Uh, he does, I mean, he's the horn. He's uh, 24-7. He does a lot of things. He's, uh, like, there's so many different things. If you're a Texas fan or you want to watch Texas stuff, you can find Rod Babers in a lot of different ways. So Yeah, I don't know if he's with 247. I think there he's are, more inside Texas inside probably. Texas. Yeah, that's uh, right, that's right. yeah, there's a difference there. Um, but I don't know his exact uh, resume, but I think that's more or less who he connects with. And correct me if I'm wrong on that. There's a lot of moving around with the media industry yeah. at times and people flipping well, spe- over from... Especially there this last year, there have been a lot of... Like, yeah, things, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, no, I mean, good stuff there from Rod. He's always... Uh, Got a lot of passion, and there's a lot of optimism in Austin right now for what they're, you know, getting ready to go face, you know, in terms of the matchup tomorrow and potentially beyond that, even bigger matchups in the college football playoff, the arch thing. I mean, that was – say whatever you want to. I know people can that are not Texas fans may roll their eyes when they hear arch brought up or yeah, – Inside Texas, you're right. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, good to give the proper credit there, but um, – yeah, the, the arch thing was – that was electric. I mean, you could just feel it through the TV. Garrett, did you see that at the time? Okay. Um, but it was it was something else, man. It just was weird in a good way, and I'm very interested now to see what that looks like moving forward, uh, especially once he gets the full reins, whenever that is. Because like yeah. Rod said, like Quinn Ewers is expected to be back, so how does all of that work? I don't know. But that was just like a cherry on top of what was already a pretty good Sunday because they just bashed Tech, uh, you know, just – Mm-hmm. beat them up and, and left no doubts about who the better team was and you know any hope that the Big 12 is going to have some fairy tale scenario where somebody jumped up and and bit the Longhorns or whatever that was that was not in the cards in any way shape or form last week so yeah life's good down there right now and Oklahoma State's one of the last barriers to to try and um, you know change that but they're heavy favorites for a reason but there's you know you go and play the game for a reason so we'll see what the pokes can do against the Longhorns tomorrow. Yes. Uh, all right, Craig. So while we have a minute before we go to our next guest, let's kind of get into some of the news of the day that we haven't gotten to. I would think the biggest news of the day we haven't talked about is Cam Ward is in the transfer portal. Uh, and um, the Athletics talked to a, you know, uh, Bruce Feldman and Max, Max also did a, a column uh, today about, you know, kind of grading those guys. And the 
Power 5 GM uh, that they talked to said that Cam Ward is the other one who's totally worth the money when it comes to that, you know, seven-figure payout for a quarterback. I would think that he is going to have seven million suitors. And uh, some of them are, like, some of them are playing in the next two days for sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, most likely. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of, yeah, the conference championship games. I'm sure some of those yeah. teams involved will want him. No, he's he's prolific quarterback uh, with big numbers and uh, big-time – you know, playmaking ability, and the season kind of got away from Washington State there. But, you know, he was week in and week out, uh, for the most part, a very strong piece, if not the strongest piece of, of that roster. I mean, done wonders uh, up in the Pac-12, um, you know, side of things since he came over from Incarnate Word a couple years back. And, uh, yeah, Texas guy, so maybe he gets closer to home. But, I don't know, he's been away now a couple years across the other side of the country, so maybe he's fine going wherever. I know this, uh, you, you give a big enough price tag and I'm sure he'll be fine going just about anywhere at this point. Um, But yeah, there's going to be big time offers for him and understandably so he's a big time player. And I think in the uh, right fit, he's absolutely a guy that's, you know, right at the top of the portal quarterbacks list without a doubt. So yeah, he's going to make himself some bread and there's going to be a lot of people lining up uh, if they haven't already, because since considering the rumors kind of started out these last couple of days, uh, I'm sure he's already been flooded with interest. And yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be something to watch for sure. I'll just say the last C Ward that played at Florida State won the Heisman Trophy. That's true. Just say that. I mean that that'd be I'll a place say. for him. I, I mean, mean <laughs> anybody that needs a quarterback would <laughs> yeah. be a place for him. But I mean, particularly so. a Florida State or. You know, uh, like Oregon, Oregon I mean, would be good. Washington, like Washington, well, Washington State, that would be man, that would be kind of okay. cold though, well, wouldn't well, it? I mean, well, yeah. to go from Washington State to Washington, that'd be kind of cold blooded. I'll, I'll just tell you, everybody who's playing in the next couple days: FSU, Oregon, Washington, Michigan, Oklahoma State, um, and we'll all need a new quarterback next year. Like all of them, you know, Carson Beck and Jalen Milrose should both be back uh, at. at at Georgia and Alabama, you know, Texas, we just heard from Rod. I mean, they, they're not going to um, – they're going to have probably Quinn Ewers coming back. And so all those teams will have a new quarterback. I guess J.J. McCarthy could come back. He's not going to. He's going to go to the pros. But, um, but yeah, so all those, those teams could need a new quarterback. And that's not to mention Ohio State. Uh, he's an upgrade over yeah. Kyle McCord. You know, does, does A&M – you know, say well. I mean, we like the guy we have, but he's money. good. Like, yep. but he's good enough to where you like. Well, you know, sorry about you. You know, the- I saw. I don't know how I forgot it now. Uh, I didn't bookmark it, but somebody had put out a refresh list of transfer portal targets and put him at number one on the list. And I think that that's fair. Yeah, uh, I think that that's more than fair, and I think it's pretty accurate. And I'm sure you could break down the games of him versus this guy or that guy and find, like, small discrepancies here and there. But for the most part, yeah, that's, like, the biggest name that's entered the portal so far at the quarterback spot or the, you know, the guy who's the most electric. So he's going to have all sorts of fun, I would imagine, sorting through the dollars that are being thrown at him right now and the free apartment. The places and, uh, he's going to go. Oh, yeah, the yeah. visits and all. Of, I mean, he's going to get wined and dined. And you know what? Uh, he, he deserves it. He put up monster numbers two years in a row there at Washington State. Did a great job. I hate it for the Cougars, obviously, that, uh, you know, there's been just blow after blow after blow. And now, you know, you're watching him go right off and finish his career somewhere else. Um, that's always kind of a – like, that's the thing with shaping is, like, I don't even know how much you just – you just want him to finish at Baylor, right? Like, you yeah. want to see those guys finish where they started. But um, – so that's that's 
I'm sure tougher Kooks fans are already dealing with a lot. But, yeah, I mean, no surprise that rumors are out there he's going to jump in. He has now officially and let the race begin for one of the biggest prospects in this cycle. Yeah, he's a he's a grad transfer. So, I, I mean, you're, you're talking about a year, maybe two. Like, again, one or two years, and I don't think it's two, but it might be two. For what? For his eligibility. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I would so, imagine he's going to go play one year, and then he'll be off to the uh, NFL. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And and that's, that's part of this is – Staying at Washington, there's just so much, like, I get it from the, like, the loyalty standpoint, you know, you, you want to stay there, you know, all, all those things, especially since they were the school that, that bet on him the hardest and he followed his coach, Eric Morris, who's now at North Texas, where he's not going to go. Uh, Boy, but, that would be something. Yeah, yeah where he's not going to go. But Eric Morris brought him from Incarnate Word to Wazoo, um, and that was there. Now, he did an interview with somebody at, um, I saw here on Twitter, and he said that he was interested in Nebraska when he came out of the portal the last time. Uh, but since then, obviously, you know, uh, Scott Frost gone and all that and yeah. uh, might have really helped Scott Frost out uh, had he done that. But uh, there were a lot of, uh, of other things going on there. So it'll be interesting to see where he winds up, and I bet you Nebraska will probably get involved in that. But – if he like, it depends on what you want. Are you looking for just money and exposure, or you want money and a chance to win the national title? Which I don't think Nebraska. They'll be better next year. I just don't think they're going to be that better next year. Yeah, I don't know unless he's got some ties there. Or the you know the check is so big that he has no choice. But yeah. I would imagine that they're going to explore that. The good news is that Nebraska and Cam Ward, everybody's got options. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's options out there. But he is like the the top-of-the-line model right now. He also said that he's still exploring the NFL, so it's one of those, like, just leaving the door open to everything. I don't know. Have it looked deeply into the projections on what his NFL future looks like at this very moment, if it would be enticing enough. Uh, it sure seems like signs are pointing to him being in the portal and then mm-hmm. moving on to FSU or somewhere like that to end his career. So, yeah, he's he's an interesting name that will be a lot of fun to follow, a Texas guy. Uh, and a great story as far as the transfer portal goes. I mean, here's a guy who's at Incarnate Word. And if not for the portal, life getting to Washington State and then to wherever else you're going and then eventually the NFL, that's a much different looking road, uh, you know, a few years ago before the portal was uh, such a thing. So it's he's a guy that's a, a clear example of how beneficial that can be for overlooked prospects or guys who maybe for whatever reason start at a lower level, but their talent is, you know, good enough to, to play in a bigger opportunity. So, yeah, he'll always be a, an example of that, but very excited to see what he ends up deciding to do because he's an electric player and had a lot of fun watching him these past couple of years. All right. Uh, any, okay, what else have we missed today? Uh, the only other thing really, I mean, in terms of, like, certified official things that aren't just, uh, you know, speculation or, or rumor and that kind of thing right now, although that's fun too, uh, we mentioned Tate Rodemaker. Not ruled out, but certainly looking dicey as to whether or not he will play in the ACC title game thanks to um, the concussion suffered. He's a game day decision, so there is that. Um, how nervous are you about that, by the way? You haven't been Because we started talking at the, the beginning of the show, but it was awkward because like 30 seconds in, Dave Aranda's like hovering, and he just walked in. So we, it was kind of a butchered conversation at the start because we were so trying to get him into his seat. So we kind of touched on it, but not really. So I think that if you gave Brock, if this was them going to play like a regular bowl game against like, say they're playing Louisville in a bowl game, which is not a conference game. Mm -hmm. And you had Brock Glenn, who's a really, really 
Um, highly ranked. He was a four-star quarterback coming in. I mean, he's a he's a, he's a well thought of prospect. He decommitted from Ohio State to go to Florida State. Uh, so um, LSU was after him uh, too. I mean, he had he could have gone. He wasn't the the places on his list. Like he was no diamond in the rough. He was he he's was a guy people. walk on that's like being thrown to the wolves yeah, exactly. here. So, yeah. but he is a true freshman. I would feel a lot better about it if this was like just say they're playing the Cotton Bowl and they got three weeks a month. He'll probably be fine. Right, um, he's got that kind of skill set where he's going to get all the reps. Then they can they can figure out those things. The thing is, is that this is the first week he's had first team reps. The majority of them, Tate Rodemaker has done some teamwork and mostly individual drills because again they're trying to get him through the concussion protocol. So if Florida State wins the game, I would assume that Tate Rodemaker would be available for the playoff. Um, just given the fact that um, they'll have that time, but I think. If, if they can get the reps and get it right, that Brocklin can be serviceable enough to win the game. But just like Tate, like nothing really changes that much from Brock, from Tate to Brock because this is going to be about Florida State's, the rest of the team of studs, being studs. Mm-hmm. Because it like last week, it was not on Tate to win the game. It was on Tate to not lose the game, and that's what they did. You know, Trey Benson scored three touchdowns. That's how they won the game. So the defense, Jared Verse and those guys stepped up big when they had, I mean, Jared Verse had a sack where he literally threw the left tackle into Max Brown at the end of the game. Uh, so those are the plays they're going to have to make against Louisville, a much better team than Florida. Uh, but this is not a rivalry in that classic sense. So I think some of that pressure's off. But still, it's about can Brock Glenn go in there and just like, Give the ball to Keon and Johnny Wilson and Jaheim Bell and Trey Benson and Lawrence Toafili and Kyle Morlock and the guys who make plays. Jakeem Douglas, like, just get the ball out to those guys and let the let the, the fast cars run. Yeah. And then don't worry about the rest of it. That's going to be the key, plus Florida State's defense against Jawar Jordan. I think it's going to be huge. Yeah, so that's the storyline to monitor. As far as a couple of other stories, we touched on it briefly, but Neil Brown uh, will be officially returning to West Virginia after the 8-4 and four season. That could be a 9-win season, depending on the bowl game. That was to be expected, given what they'd done up to this point, but still, you want to see it official, so it is official. Uh, I guess... Uh, there's a few few other things, but I know we're kind of short on time. Uh, five-star wide receiver Cameron Coleman flipping from A&M to Auburn yeah. was obviously a very big deal as uh, you see Mike Elko trying to get his claws sunk into the situation there at College Station, but this had been kind of talked about for a little while since the firing of Jimbo Fisher, so now that's official. Five-star wideout Cameron Coleman heading uh, to Auburn after flipping his commit from Texas A&M uh, earlier today. And then I think the other biggest thing, there's there's some – there's some other portal stuff, uh, some other kind of coaching stuff, but I think the, the most notable thing would be officially the announcement by the Mountain West and Oregon State, Washington State, that uh, they have come to a scheduling agreement for next year, and it's next year only. So you want to you know, get the band started, like following that and be like, hey, what happens after that? I mean, that's anybody's guess, but it's for next year. There is an agreement in place between the Mountain West, Washington State, Oregon State, and technically the Pac-12 Conference as well. So all 12 Mountain West teams are going to play seven traditional conference games uh, in addition to playing one of either Washington State or Oregon State. So there will be a total of eight games, seven conference, and then one of the the two Pac-12 schools. Um, But the Pac-12 games will not count towards the actual conference standings. So that is 
one of the catches here, and neither one of Oregon State or Washington State will be eligible to play for the Mountain West Championship. So this is basically just, we need games, and you have games, and we both benefit, and we're going to also pay you. Uh, the, $14 million, right? The Pac-2 is also going to pay the Mountain West $14 million from their pot of money to get this uh, arranged as well. So won't be able to play for the title. Um, it's not a true conference affiliation, but it is an agreement. And so that's uh, what it's looking like for just 2024. And then beyond that, you know, who the I, heck knows really. I, but they've got to settle all the, the lawsuit sure, part of yeah. the thing before they and, really know that. Much. And I'm sure it's got a kicker for 2025 to do it again if they but need imagine to. imagine so. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, they can, they can do that. We'll take a break right here when we come back. Sam Mays. Uh, from selloutcrowd.com. We'll talk Oklahoma State and what they have to do to beat Texas. Then the top five. This is 365 Sports. One size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses, but when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one-size-fits-all strategy. Ben Erlinson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why he takes the time to understand your needs, knowing you. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Ben Erlinson, 100 North 6th Street in Waco, 254-759-8533. Edward Jones, member SI. PC. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine and Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine and Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge checking and savings accounts to earn interest or cash back with five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app. Banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Petty Clinic Men's Healthcare in Woodway is now proud to offer you men an exceptional weight management body sculpting product called semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovi. Semaglutide is an FDA-approved weight management medication. Once-a-week injections of this powerful medication offers an average body fat weight loss of 20% within the first year of treatment. In addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars and has the clinical research proof of reducing blood pressure, cholesterol, stroke, and heart attack risk. If you're like most men and you have stubborn fat that will just not respond to typical diets and exercise, then help is finally here. Semaglutide, affordable, highly effective. Google search Petty Clinic Waco and reach out to the Petty Clinic team today for a free consultation with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you. Go to PettyClinicLowT.com. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 5 o'clock hour is sponsored by Edward Jones Investments with financial advisor Ben Erlinson, who'll navigate you through today's financial climate. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Now here's Paul Catalina and Craig Smoke. Welcome back, 365 Sports. Sam Mays, sellout crowd.com. 
and just one fantastic Oklahoma State analyst and a guy who's who's been there and done that when it comes to big games. Sam, write the script for me on how Oklahoma State wins this game against Texas tomorrow. <laughs> Coming up blazing, Paul. Yeah, I know. I just you know, I'm sitting there thinking, man, you can't. I can't get a little warm up. You can't serve me in or you know, give me a little uh, something to start with. You know, I, honestly, I think it just comes down to Alan Bowman. You know, I, I sat in the stands a few weeks ago for the final, final Bedlam game, honestly thinking that it was going to be Oklahoma just beating the hell out of Oklahoma State in that game. And then what happens next was crazy. Alan Bowman comes out, throws a bunch of completions early in the first quarter of that game, backs the Oklahoma defense up significantly. And then you guys know this as well as I do. It's crazy how, you know, it's been probably 20 years since we all sat down and watched the team do it this way. But the Cowboys do it. Their whole goal is to be within 10 points going into the fourth quarter. That's it. That's what Oklahoma State needs to do in order to be competitive, in order to give themselves an opportunity to win every game they play, is be within 10 points going into the fourth quarter. And if they can do that, they rely on one of the best running backs in the country, Ollie Gordon, to go ahead and put that work in. And let me tell you something. That kid just gets stronger every single time he he carries the ball. He's better the next time he carries it. And so if Bowman can come out, take command of the Oklahoma State offense, complete a bunch of passes early, and doesn't even be deep balls, right? Doesn't need to be, uh, you know, talking fifteen plus yard plays. It needs to be eight to eight to twelve yard plays. You know, those just backing those linebackers off the line of scrimmage a little bit, and then giving that offensive line a chance to you know, just kind of get it going, right? Get the run game going. And if they can do that, then they have an opportunity with Texas. You know, I think the, the best player on the field is Ollie Gordon in this game. I think the next 10 probably go to Texas. You know, now the flip side of it would be, this is, you know, the Oklahoma State defense has been lucky this year because the offense has been able to eat so much clock up, right? I think defensively the scheme is not very good. Uh, I, I don't understand anybody that runs a three-man front unless your defensive line looks like Texas. Right. You've got a defensive line like Texas or Alabama or one of these bigger SEC schools. Cool. Go ahead and run a three-man front because you've got a nose guard that's out there eating dimes and crapping out nails. Like You've got to have that kind of dude in the middle to get this thing done. And you need a couple of six, seven, 295-pound run stoppers and pass rushers on the edge. Oklahoma State has nothing like that. I mean, they've got, they've got chihuahuas on the defensive line on the edges compared to what a true 3-4 uh, 50 front looks like. And so what's helped them is the defense is always rested and they got a couple of linebackers that can play this game and a couple of safeties that can really play this game. Instinctual kids that make plays, they tackle well, they group tackle. They just don't make a whole lot of, of ridiculous, you know, non mistakes that will like plague a defense, miss tackles and things like that. They don't do that. They got some kids that can play in the second and third levels of this team. So if they, if Ollie Gordon and group can keep the defense fresh, well, then they can handle Texas for four quarters. I feel like offensively, because as good as the Longhorns are and the skill position players, you know, I'm not, it's not like they're out there just dropping 50 points on teams either. You know, they, they are kind of a more of a methodical group themselves when they're playing at their best, in my opinion. So I think that this is a, you know, if I'm, if I'm betting on this game, I, I'm probably taking Texas by double digits, honestly, um, but there is an opportunity here for Oklahoma State to win this game, but it's definitely going to rely on the arm of Alan Bowman. What was going through your mind during the struggles last week against BYU as that clock was ticking and that lead and just, I mean, there was time obviously, and they, they came back and won that game, but uh, at its lowest point, what were you kind of thinking amongst the o- Oklahoma State collective about what was going on? 
oh, I was just dog cussing everybody. Just you <laughs> worthless, you know, like yeah. it just, you know, it was just a, it was a really uninspired performance. You know, you, you think you take the field in the position at Oklahoma State is feel the same way about UCF. Like, what are y'all doing? You're not better than anybody. Like, I don't know what, what has happened this season at any point that you feel like you don't have to prepare or take the field with the same sense of urgency that you had in Bedlam to play every darn team on your, on your schedule, whether that is UCF or Houston or BYU. Everybody needs your max attention because you're not a very good football team. Like for some reason, it's just one of those things where the, the, you know, the stars have aligned. And when moments when you need to take over games, you've got a great player that's able to do it on his own. Right. I don't know if it's more of a testament to Oklahoma State's offense or just the state of Big 12 defenses at this point. But Ollie Gordon is just blowing teams up by himself. I don't even think the Oklahoma State offensive line, if I could grade that unit, I'd give him probably a C, right? Maybe a C plus for the season. Like they're not right home about guys. No one on that offensive line is playing in the NFL, right? This is just a bunch of kids that have gained a bunch of confidence because they've got you know, a Heisman Trophy contender at some point in his career running behind them. You know, so it's it's just one of those things that I just don't feel like they could ever take the field and not feel like we have to play our best game today. And they've done it three times here in the last five games. Against UCF, they got killed against Houston, and they did it again against BYU. And they should have never put themselves in that position. To me, that's leadership on the field and it's leadership off the field. They've got to get it right. Get off this whole, like, I get it. You didn't expect to be where you are, and everything is – hunky-dory and exciting everybody's all smiles but I mean you are where you are now so you've got football to play you know you've got games to win they beat UCF and we're talking about you know a potential New York Six game for this Oklahoma State team which is just insane when you consider everything that happened earlier in the season so I obviously they're not going to take Texas lightly I would expect them to come out there and play their tails off early in, the, in this game as they can but it was definitely frustrating watching them take the field with a lackluster attitude you know, looking down at a couple of opponents that they're not significantly better than. Where would you grade this season on on Mike Gundy's coaching job? Um, because there were after South Alabama, like anybody outside of Stillwater had kind of jumped off the boat completely. Yeah, no, it, it's frustrating for sure. You know, and he wins coach of the year in the Big Twelve, and I kind of figured that was going to happen. I would have gave it to Neil Brown, in my opinion. You know, Mike Gundy is a is an elder statesman in this league. That guy's been around way too long to take the field in the first four games of the season running a three-quarterback system. Have the worst loss in 20 years to a South Alabama team uh, that didn't deserve to be playing and still let alone beating them and beating them the way that they did it. And you lose to Iowa State on the road, and Iowa State's defense is somehow, some way, one of the best in the league every year. And so I can, you know, I'll take that, and Iowa State lost. But there's no way you should lost to South Alabama. There's no way you should have lost to UCF the way that you did. You know, and this this team could be better than what they are. And that's frustrating. You know, to me, this is not a second-year coach. This guy's been here almost 20 years, you know, and at some point he's going to have to get past this whole – and maybe maybe it's, you know, Oklahoma State fans, you guys know this as well as I do. They're the happiest, go luckiest group of people you'll ever meet. We won 10 games. What a great season. They got 30,000 people at tailgate every single game. The home field advantage is tremendous. They are die hard. We're happy to be your here, here type of fan base. So when you give them 10, they're ecstatic about it, right? But the rest of us, the, and it's all these older folks, the rest of us, if you're 40 or below, you're looking around like, okay, cool. Y'all got a top 25 ticket price that we're paying to get into this stadium. You got top 10 facilities still in the country. 
but and we want more better results, right? Especially with the Big Twelve turning over the way that it is. No more Texas, no more Oklahoma. Who should lead this thing? It should be Coach Gundy in Oklahoma State. And it doesn't seem like they're in position to take the reins like we would have hoped to see at the end of this season. You know, you're playing there's the title opportunity ahead of you. I don't feel confident that they're gonna win the thing. But every this will be another season where they leave it and everybody's like, Man, what a great year. Mike Gundy did it again. You know, go pokes, but it's the under to me, they should have done this four times since 2011, but they just keep falling short. And, you know, they can't beat Oklahoma. They can't uh, win Bedlam. They, they should have won Bedlam six times in the last 10 years. They had the better team three of those six times, and they continue to lose it over and over again. You know, so it's just a, it's just this weird place that everybody is in where the diehard, you know, true just fans, the fanatics of this football team, are just going to, they love Mike Gundy more than anything. And I think there's a new group of folks that are, you know, paying money, paying big dollars, right, to go watch Oklahoma State football that aren't necessarily feeling satisfied with top 50 recruiting classes, you know, and then you falling short year in, year out when it comes to being in championship contention. So it's um, it's a hard time for sure. You know, I, I think that Sark deserved a, an opportunity at a, at a coach of the year. I think he had an excellent year. Neil Brown had an excellent year. You know, Gundy's feels a little bit weird to me, but, you know, it is what it is. I don't have to vote. Yeah, uh, I'm right there with you. We, we had a conversation about this the other day. It's like, hey, good for Gundy. Like, nothing against him, but it's just like, yeah, you could probably make a better case for a couple of the other guys. But, Sam, you sort of touched on this at the beginning. Uh, obviously, the, the Oklahoma State offense, I think you're dead on with Alan Bowman's going to have to make some plays to open some things up. But when you look at that Texas offense and all those weapons, I mean, that, that toy chest full of weapons that Sark has, um, what – stands out to you in terms of what you know Oklahoma State does and doesn't do well and what you see as the biggest challenges or, you know, places for opportunity, what have you, tomorrow in that matchup? I'll, I'll tell you right now, if Texas comes out and runs the ball successfully early in this game, they're going to score 50 points on Oklahoma State. Like, they'll they'll score at will. and they So the Cowboys are going to stop the run and make Quinn Ewers be the guy that's going to go out there and get the ball to those weapons, make him – throw the ball 25-plus times in this game, and I think you maybe have an opportunity. Because Oklahoma State's got some dudes in the back end that are ball hawks. They'll go get it if you throw it up there to them. And there's some of those kids are big. They get physical. They can run. They've got some decent speed on the back end. It, it all comes down to that front line for me. I think there's a significant advantage for that Texas offensive line uh, over the Oklahoma State defensive line. I, that's where I think this game is lost for the Cowboys. Sam. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, enjoy the game tomorrow. Um, you know, for Big Twelve fans' sake, uh, I think, I think there's there's only one fan base that's rooting for Texas, and that's Texas. <laughs> yeah, you'd be surprised. Oklahoma, OU fans yeah. Here yeah. Oh yeah. I, I actually saw somebody write some OU fan wrote Texas fight on Twitter, oh. and I almost threw up. Yeah, I was like, you gotta be like, y'all hate Oklahoma State that much that you can't. <laughs> you're gonna cheer on Texas. Look, you, you guys know this about me. I can't stand Texas. I, I got PTSD for Vince Young, so I'm never going to. <laughs> I will cheer against Texas every game that they play, but uh, it's a personal thing for me. Yeah, I think <laughs> – Thanks uh, so much for having me, man. Yeah, yeah thanks a lot, Sam. Uh, I think the, the SEC alliance, it makes some sense of, like, kind of why they're – teammates but yeah. at the same time it makes for the grossest alliance it's just like yeah. it's turned into such Correct. a us versus them thing i i i don't jive with that sam i'm with you man I, it just feels wrong in so many ways it does 
Absolutely. Yeah. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Appreciate yeah. you. All right, guys. Have a good one. Yeah. Craig, I mean, you're an Oklahoma fan. If I'm in your shoes, I would just be rooting that this game never even happened. Like, it would yeah. just be a thing. Wish it, you like, were there, too. huh? Yeah. Could have yeah. done that, too. Um, look, if, if, Flor- like, if Miami and Clemson were playing in the ACC title game, I, I mean, just like when Texas and Florida play against each other next year, or I think it's next year, year I mean, whatever they do. Like, I'm Texas just, and Florida, I think that is next year. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm going to, like... I'm going to take 11 showers that day. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of like, I, I, yeah. I can't believe I just watched this. <laughs> like I get this, it. I mean, yeah. I get it. It's because it's become, and I think mostly Brett Yormark allowed it to happen yeah. and help create it because of the whole comments that led to, oh, well, he's out to get us, and now we got to band together because we're the, the hunted and everybody else are the hunters, and they don't appreciate us, and that's why we're having to leave and all that, and I understand all that, but like it's kind of reached a level I've seen on social media in some cases where it's like, Okay, like stop holding hands, guys. Like, you know, it's just it's weird. I I I get it, but I also just it makes me uncomfortable how nice and friendly OU and Texas fans have been with each other in this little uh, Big Twelve exit alliance. But um, you know, there's obviously reasons for it. Still, the idea of rooting for Texas so that you can both go out of the the league and I guess enter the SEC and one of you wanted, I, I don't know. I don't know if Texas fans would be rooting for Oklahoma fans. Maybe they would be, uh, but I have seen a lot more of that than I ever anticipated. And um, it's been interesting to say the least. Uh, you know, look, I know that like sometimes you have to make uncomfortable alliances. Yeah. Give us a spot in the national but, title. Yeah. Like I hate to do it, but I'll root for yeah. Texas tech or but, BYU or whoever but, your enemy is. For yeah. Oklahoma, this game affects them in no way. Like, none. yeah, yeah, none. It doesn't affect them at all. no, like nothing. Except for you're just the same as Texas and that you're also leaving, but like you don't get a Big 12 title. They might get in the playoff. They yeah. might go win a national title. Are you really going to celebrate? Like, you know what? You do belong in the SEC. You're starting to celebrate other yeah. people's accomplishments. You fit right into and, the SEC. And here's the thing. Texas has been riding your coattails for a decade until now. About like, ah, oh, we're the best of the Big 12. Like, no, Oklahoma is. You're just, you're just rich. You know, like, yeah. but that's, that's the thing that... That surprises me about Oklahoma fans, you know, like, re- like, I would just say nothing. I would say nothing. I mean, that's kind of where I am. Like, I, yeah. I just want a great game. And, yeah. you know, if it's uh, a situation where you know, have to choose, like, gun to my head, I mean, I don't know. I'd have to debate that because, on the one hand, that money would be good for the Big 12 schools to have a playoff team. But at the same time, do I, as a fan, not as a media guy, because I, I, I'm not a Cowboys fan, but I cover them my entire life, so I, I know how to just – you know, evolve yeah. with that. But do I want to see Texas as a fan go get a shot at a national title? Absolutely freaking not. No, I don't want to see that. So, yeah, it's it's a weird deal, but that is very SEC of like, hey, it's almost like we're there too. And it's like, that's Texas, guys. That's not – that's Texas. And I think if the shoe were reversed, it would be maybe different. I don't know if Texas fans would embrace it. And look, it's not everybody, obviously, too. That's the other thing is, like, not everybody feels that way. It's just Twitter. So it's a, a fraction of a fraction of, you know, the probably the real feelings out there. But that is, I think, uh, all a creation of Brett Yormark's comments and just this feeling of, oh, they're trying to screw us on our way out. We've got to band together. Uh, but at this point, when you're talking about, you know, a team going and getting some pretty big accolades and wins while you're on the sidelines watching. Yeah, I don't know if I'd be rooting for that exactly because, you know, that's a team that will now have a bit more momentum than you do heading into this next iteration. And, you know, that's that's your future for the for the long term. I'll just tell you, unless you're one of those teams in the SEC that's actually won a title, the 
uh, and the, the money's good. Like that's helped you, but uh, it has not helped you on the field. Like it has not helped Kentucky on the field that Alabama's won a million national titles. Um, I mean, I don't know that I totally agree with that because the money helps you get better on the yeah. field and the playing Alabama and playing in those big games does. I do think all of that comes into play, but like the celebrating that like you won a national title, that's, yeah. that's the weird part to me. and always has been, I can get like if the big 12 had won nine out of the 10 national titles and like five of them were by different teams. I understand how that develops that, that pride of like, we're the best we play in the best league. I totally understand all of that, but I don't, get it when it's like a Mississippi State fans talking trash to somebody because Alabama beat you know that team it's like that wasn't your team bud you don't get to you don't get to brag you don't get to dunk on me because a different team beat me because you're in the same league that's where it gets kind of weird and uh and very homery but I I get the pride of like yeah because the the NFC East for the longest time and the NFL divisions are a lot different and just the NFL and different is a lot general in terms of the fan bases. But for a long time, the NFC is the best division in football, right? It's the best division. It's got the best rivalries, this and that. Now, I don't remember Eagles fans going, we've been in four of the last five Super Bowls, and we, yeah. we, 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 we. I don't remember any of that. But there, there's that pride of you're playing with the best, but then there's people that take it over the line. And, and just it's just weird to see that with uh, with Oklahoma kind of – some segment of the fan base rooting for Texas to win a Big 12 championship and then pop probably get into the playoff. I would want to be seeing the exact opposite if the only reward really is that you get to dunk on Brett Yormark on the way out and some yeah. Twitter people. Like, that's your reward yeah. for Texas going and winning all these things. So that's why it's so strange to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just not right. It's time for the top five. Time for Paul Catalina's Top 5, brought to you by Texas Beef House. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. Top 5 teams that need to work the portal. We'll do a lot of portal stuff here in the next few days. If Cam Ward doesn't have a new school by Monday when he puts his name in the portal, you know, uh, because that's not pretty well. I mean, he could because well, he's already in because he's a grad transfer. So mm-hmm. if he doesn't have a new school by Monday, I think he's probably going to be my Monday. I think if he's got a new school by Monday, he better have one heck of a deal already arranged yeah. or else I'd be taking the visits and seeing what I can can get out of that thing. But, yeah, um, the portal is going to be a hot and heavy topic, obviously, moving forward here. Yeah, absolutely, next next week. And we'll, we'll probably do a CFP one if, I, um, if I'm emotionally stable enough to do it, depending on uh, this weekend. You guys right. might see me as a, like a, I won't have my hair won't be kempt. <laughs> like I'll just have like a mustard stain on my shirt. Yeah. You'll be like when did that happen? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Just the days fly off the calendar post yeah. uh, FSU's non-playoff bid. Yeah. yeah. If that if that happens, we'll see. But uh, anyway, number five, Colorado. Um, they're gonna have to keep working the portal. High school recruiting has been in flux. This happens. I think it's it's weird the narrative going on around Colorado right now because this kind of happens in. After year one of most first-year coaches where you do a lot of portal stuff, it, there's some guys, it works out, doesn't work out. There's commits, decommits, because they see how you're going and, and things are changing. But Colorado's still going to have to be heavy in the portal, but they need to especially look at their offensive line. And I say that uh, because Shadur is probably coming back, and he is 
he and Travis Hunter, the, the best two players on your roster, Shadur, the most valuable player on your roster because he's your quarterback and he's an NFL quarterback and you need to keep him from getting hurt again. And that is not something they did well this year. Plus, they will have a likely completely new offensive staff and I would not, or at least a, you know, a big a new coordinator, and I would not be surprised to see them have a new defensive coordinator as well uh, after year one. So there's going to be a lot of portal there. They've got to get better. Anywhere else that they get better, they've got to get better up front. Yeah, and I want to go back for just one second to the Oklahoma-Texas yeah. I do want to clarify for later comments. I get it. If you're an Oklahoma fan, you're also, if you're not rooting for Texas, you're then therefore seeing Oklahoma State win a yeah. Big 12 championship. So it is a bit of a, a, you know, a debacle that they have in front of them as fandoms. But I, I, I do get that side of it. And why, that's why you might lean Texas as you don't want to see the Pokes win a Big 12 championship on the way out and let the Big 12 get the last laugh. But it's still it's just strange to see the uh, the friendship uh, or the alliance that's developed over the last year. It's been going on for a while now. So to Colorado, it's been interesting to see the kind of negative – you know, I guess, vibes out there right now. You got an article I read the other day talking to some former players about their exit. It kind of feels like people are getting their their receipts on Dion right now, doesn't it? Like they're, ah, so all that talk in the beginning of the season, that whole first month, and everybody's Dion this and Dion that, Coach Prime this, Coach Prime that, and now you look up and they're not even making a bowl game after that terrific start. Um, A lot of people really enjoying that. They hit the portal as heavy as anybody last year, and it worked to mixed results, but... I mean, they obviously need some major help up front for Shador. Um, that's first things first, which I guess you've got to sort out your coaching staff as well. But, yeah, I'd imagine they'll be deep in the portal again. You just wonder, you know, to what degree are they going to get in the NIL game? Because I think last year you're able to play off. It's just it's Deion Sanders. Like, come yeah. play here. It's Deion Sanders. But I think now with the way the season went, it's like – and you guys are saying you're not going to just throw bags at everybody because I think people thought that that's what well, they would do. I, I think also part of him saying that is them saying like, "Hey, look, we're, we've got a lot of money for you, but right. you've got to like, we you need can't to spread it like, out. Yeah, yeah, you know, like let's let's make sure the bravado matches the budget. Right. Yeah. And so I think that that's got maybe people being a little bit more, uh, you know, cautious as far as just fully just jumping onto the Colorado train here. But yeah, I mean, they'll be heavy in there. They're going to have to be um, very you know, interested to to see what uh, Dion's plans are for this offseason because it was such a, a taboo thing last year, and, you know, we saw how it worked out. So now does he go to the well once again? What kind of changes or an approach does he make? Who does he hire, to your point? Like, what's the deal with Shador? I mean, so, yeah, there's a lot to, to figure out for Colorado as they get ready to enter the Big 12 and uh, and new life in, in their old home of the Big 12 Conference, and that'll be a fun team to have a little bit more front and center for us uh, moving forward. Now, I do think that since Shador has some – it would not – Totally surprised me to see him in the NFL draft. It, it wouldn't totally surprise me. I think he's coming back. Um, but I do think that there is, given especially that, that he got injured, if they're not trending in the direction in the next couple of weeks of him to get those offensive linemen, then maybe he does go. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe yeah, so. so. I mean, I do think he has a future uh, yeah. in the NFL. I yeah, think he's, he's definitely got a shot at that. And so that's that's something that will be right there. You know, until he, I guess, makes a final decision whenever that that day may come. I don't know where he's like positioned. I haven't really looked that deep into it, but he's a top fifty. He's definitely got no. He's definitely got the talent, and so uh, yeah, that'll be something to monitor for sure. And then he's a quarterback. So if he's say he's ranked forty fifth, and he's a quarterback, then that really means he's probably about thirty second. 
right, when it comes to it. <laughs> Probably, Because, yeah. you know, teams will get kind of, like, nuts about it. And, you know, so a team that doesn't – like, say the Raiders who pick 11th don't get their quarterback in the first round, yeah. right? So then they'll pick – you know, the, they might move up because he's like he's still there, and they want to make sure that the the team that also didn't get their quarterback, the Vikings, because they're you know 18th, you know, didn't get their guy. It, it it's a weird situation. Number four, Baylor. This one, I mean, we can we can go on about it, but this is a also an offensive line and a defensive line to be reshaped by the portal, and probably. Um, the wide receiver position, I think, are the ones that need need the most. Linebacker, but, yeah, there's a lot of things they've got to get done in the portal. Yeah, they're going to have to be very active. They got double-digit guys last year, I think a little over 10. Or maybe it was 12 when all was said and done. I think that's probably going to be about the same case here, if not even a little bit higher. Uh, and the thing with Aranda being uh, – basically on a one-year deal is that you have to win now and so there's I see these comments about well can Jake Spavital recruit Texas is like for what right now like why is that your concern as far as uh, I get there's a second signing day coming up but like I don't feel like that's really where the damage is going to be done on the recruiting trail like I think that's something you more worry about if he has a job here next year as the OC and then you plant those seeds over these next several months but like He's not going to, you would, wouldn't think, have a huge impact on the 2024 class at this point. So how are they going to retool the roster? Because you're also not going to bank on a lot of freshmen rolling in here and making the, a world of difference. So, yeah, it's going to have to be in the portal. I mean, that's where they're going to have to get it done. And the d- development during the springtime as well. But, yeah, they've got a lot of uh, places where they need depth. Uh, they've got a lot of places where they could use, quite frankly, some starters and I think that uh, last year was just scratching the surface uh, with the 10 or 12 guys they got. I think it's going to be, like I said a second ago, very similar, if not even a tad more uh, than that this time around. Number three, Notre Dame. Look, they're, they're going to go get a quarterback. We know that. But their wide receiver room is essentially empty, which means they need to go get some playmakers for said quarterback. They did not really do that for Sam Hartman, and I think it did cost them in the bigger games this year. I don't think there were many wide receivers that would have helped them in that Louisville game. Louisville was fired up to have Notre Dame in their place and beat them. But I think it would have helped them against Ohio state, uh, especially maybe not let that game come down to what it did in that loss. And so, and I think it would have certainly helped them against Clemson when they lost to them as well. Uh, so they, they've got Jaden Greathouse, who's kind of a, a tweener wide receiver, tight end type player uh, that will be back. And he's really good, but they need weapons around whoever that quarterback is. Say it's Riley Leonard or Will Howard, or, or maybe now it, may, it might be Cam Ward. Like those guys might ever like everybody's moved down a rung. Uh, on the list since Cam Ward's in the in the water. But whoever that is that they get is going to need some playmakers. And Notre Dame's good pretty much everywhere else. And I'm sure they'll get a couple here and there. But they absolutely need to get some wide receivers for whoever their quarterback is next year. Yeah, they've been hit by the portal kind of hard already. So uh, that's certainly the top position that you look at. And, uh, yeah, Riley Leonard seems to be the, the big splash that we're all awaiting, uh, whether that's Notre Dame or not. I mean, all signs have been pointing to that. But – Certain players jump in, and we heard what yesterday. Just wait till you see on Monday, like the names that are going to be dropping in. So we haven't even opened this thing up fully yet. Like the doors cracked for the older folks, basically, and then or it's like twenty one and up right now. And then you know next next can be free for all, like all ages. Come on board the transfer portal. So yeah, we'll see how how that shapes up. But 
no, wide receiver is an area that uh, right now, this very moment, given the recent events, is, is certainly a priority among some other spots. So, yeah, I, I think that they're going to be very active. Number two, Florida. Uh, Graham Mertz is coming back. That is good news because then they can kind of bring uh, DJ Lagway along uh, slowly. Uh, and uh, they've still got him in the fold. He hasn't, uh, he hasn't decommitted. He's been rock solid with the Gators uh, all through this. And the Jaden Rashada thing already kind of made it easier for him. So uh, that's good for them. But they, they've got to get better. Everybody needs to get better up front. Uh, the Gators, though, do need uh, – this is the thing that's shocked me the most about Florida. They were so bad at the skill positions. Uh, not running back. Running back was fine. But at wide receiver outside of Ricky Pearsall, that really – and, Gary, just give me a nod. That's kind of surprising. Like, you watch the Gators a lot like I do. Like, they, they – that was always something that even their bad teams, like, they had, you know, four guys that could that could school you if the quarterback was right. And they just didn't have that. And that, that was surprising to me. And the defensive back was surprising to me. So they've got a couple of areas that were normally, especially where they are, and you can go in and say, come play for the chomp chomps, you get free jorts. Uh, you know, that they're, uh, they, they can get people all the time. But they, they just haven't done it. It's been surprising to me because it was – like the next one on this list, the skill guys seemingly were easy, and it was the other things that were hard. But Florida's maybe flipped that a little bit. Yeah, I think you've touched on. I don't know as much about them or mm-hmm. follow them as closely as you do. Um, but yeah, I mean, Billy Napier's got to do something. It feels like he's you know managed okay, but they're kind of and, at a tipping point of like and, you need to see some results. And by the way, Graham Mertz twenty TDs, three and INTs this year, so he was Good efficient. For him, yeah, he was efficient. Uh, they've got to get better on that side of the ball, but uh, he was efficient. But yeah, they've got to like he's got to get some guys who can who can go score. Like that that was watching them this year outside of ATN and Montreal Johnson there the running back is real is pretty good too but um, Ricky Pearsall can make every catch but he's gone he's an NFL receiver I think he's he's gonna be one of those guys like Puka Nakua that as a rookie next year is gonna really show out uh, and so but outside of Ricky Pearsall they didn't have anybody that was terrifying and that that was surprising to me uh, for the Gators and number one. Miami, um, they have, they got a lot better along the lines this year. Offensive and defensive line were a lot better. Mario Cristobal did a great job with that. Um, running backs, fine. Wide receivers, okay. Uh, but they do need to go get a couple of plus guys. The defense was good, not great, but good enough, and, and they looked like they are on the upswing. But the biggest thing Miami has to do, the biggest thing Miami has to do is get a quarterback. Mario Cristobal is not going to win there until he is consistent there. Maybe it's Emory Williams. He didn't really play that much. The only time we saw him start was was almost like four quarters against Florida State, and he broke his arm at the end of that game. Uh, so is it him or is it a transfer guy? I think it's probably going to be a transfer uh, player. But can they get in on that? Have they done enough to make somebody want to come there that's going to get them over the hump and – you know, you've got like I didn't list Clemson on this because it's kind of obvious that Clemson needs to do that, but they don't need to do it as badly as some of these teams because Dabo's still really good at developing players, and their NIL is actually good. Um, that's just not something we hear about. Uh, he's he's good at retaining players; they don't lose a lot, but when they do lose guys, they don't replace them, and that's kind of a weird thing. And he's done there, but Miami they need a quarterback almost as bad as anybody in the country for Mario Cristobal to take that next step. 
Well, there's a lot of quarterbacks that are going to be in the portal, so they'll have their fair share with all that uh, John Ruiz money. Oh, wait, no, he does not. Uh, is he involved still? I don't know. We haven't heard his name in a long time. <laughs> I, I think he's one of those guys. The other all, NIL money they have. <laughs> I think he'll one of those guys that will always be involved. It's just that John Ruiz and his company won't be involved. It'll just be yeah. like, oh, I'm Ed. I'm Ed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got some money for you. That was, uh, I don't know, that name just popped in my head yeah. for the first time in like a year. So, yeah. uh just yeah, but uh, no, I mean Tyler Van Dyke uh, off to you know new scenes and a uh, new place, and yeah, that leaves a, a void there for them to uh, go dip on into the portal. And I don't know, you get some of the more vocal participants of a fan base, kind of like I was talking about Oklahoma or you know Texas. You just they don't speak for everybody, but a lot of Miami fans that are as braggadocious as ever uh, that feel like hey, there's the portal you know, pick up away or a few portal pickups away from being the, the kings of college football again. So uh, it's the off season, baby. That means optimism for everybody, basically. And uh, Miami is certainly uh, in that position right now. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would imagine they're going to be heavily involved in the quarterback circuit when it comes to uh, who's finally all in there officially. And, yeah, come Monday we'll, we'll know a lot more because a lot of other names will be a part of this pool of players. Absolutely. Garrett, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot to all our guests. Thanks to Dave Aranda for coming into the studio. We're hoping to get Jake Spavital for Monday. I think we can get that worked out so we can get Jake Spavital uh, for Monday. Uh, So that'll come up. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the games starting tonight, everybody. We'll see you Monday.